Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome into the Thursday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app, or if you end up listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast. My name is Ryan Lavoy, the host of this show. Today I've got TP Hammock and Brooks Childress with me for the full three hours as we have a lot to continue to discuss in the sports world. There will be a lot of different stuff for you here on this Thursday, including some Auburn football as we continue to get set for the New Mexico State game on Saturday. Auburn basketball back in action tonight in Brooklyn. We will preview the game against Notre Dame. Auburn is a heavy favorite in that game. We'll tell you about that coming up throughout the show today. It is a Thursday, which means we will talk some NFL as we do each and every Thursday, preview the next week ahead, including a uh, a really terrific Thursday night football game coming up tonight. And then we'll also have a chat with Brian Matthews at 4.15. And uh, we'll talk again all the Auburn football and Auburn basketball content with him. Also uh, some recruiting as the Tigers continue to try to make strides. There are reports today uh, that they are starting to uh, heat up a little bit with Cam Coleman, as expected, the five-star that's committed to Texas A&M. So update you guys need on that. And again, be chatting with Brian Matthews. Again, that is at 4.15 today. Of course, we want to hear from you on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401, locally toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. There was news in Major League Baseball today, uh, both about the All-Star game and about a franchise uh, which will no longer operate in Oakland and be moving to Las Vegas. Uh, and so we will uh, maybe discuss that if we have some time a little bit later as well. So a lot to talk about on this Thursday edition of the program. We had Ryan Brooks and TP with you here on this Thursday. Start with you, Brooks. How are you this afternoon? Ooh. You don't like it. I don't like the 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 Major League Baseball decision for today. Uh, but we talked about that when it was announced a little bit uh, a few months ago. Um, but other than that, it's a, it's a great day. We are entering what we like to known as the feast games around, uh, around college basketball. I showed you a graphic, uh, off the air earlier that there is 150 plus hours of college basketball coming over the next 11 days, which is phenomenal stuff. Uh, and so we, uh, we've got some great college basketball coming, uh, Featuring, uh, of course, Auburn tonight and tomorrow uh, with up in Brooklyn. We'll get Notre Dame tonight and then see who the Tigers take on uh, tomorrow uh, with the Oklahoma State or St. Bonaventure, whoever, uh, how, whatever the result of that one is. Uh, and so it's really exciting. Uh, getting closer and closer to another weekend of college football. I know you've had some action this week. I think there's one ACC game tonight, uh, a couple Pac-12, uh, maybe one one or two Pac-12 games tomorrow, and then the meat of the schedule hits on, on Saturday. Um, 
and then another NFL weekend. It's just it's the so many sports going on right now. It's a it's a great time of year. The weather's cooling off. It's been cooled off for a little bit, but uh, you're a week away from filling your your bellies with lots of great food. Uh, this time, literally this time next week, I will be full and probably ready to pop. <laughs> uh, and so it's it's going to be a it's it's a great time uh, in the sports world. Great time in the food world to be uh, to be getting a uh, big close. big week upcoming for yeah. food. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, you get to sit down and you get to fall asleep to the wonderful sounds of NFL football this time next weekend uh, or next next Thursday. So it, it's just it's uh, I'm having a good day is, is what I'm trying to say. Thinking about all that. Yeah, the holidays make a lot of people cheery. So I'm glad you're uh, you're cheery despite uh, the Rob Manfred uh, announcement earlier this morning. Of course, I think you like the second announcement much better uh, this afternoon than that news where the All-Star game is going to be. I'll bury the lead. It's going to be in Atlanta in 2025, so they are getting that back. T.P. Hammock with us today, also on this Thursday. How are you, sir? I'm doing well on this fine Thursday. Uh, I didn't have any classes today or tomorrow, so I got an early start to my Thanksgiving break. And what better way to start off a Thanksgiving break than being with my fellow workers, my fellow friends, good friends, since I've been here, at, started off as an intern back in May. But, um, yeah, I can't wait to get to talk to our callers, get to talk some NFL today, talk some college football, as there was some news that broke about 30 minutes ago in the college football world up north. So, yeah, I'm really excited for today's show. I always love being on the show. Last night, me and Brooks had a great high school coaches show as we get closer towards the state championship games being played up in Tuscaloosa. So, But, yeah, I can't wait for uh, our show today and can't wait for all the topics that we're going to be covering. Absolutely. So let's get to it. Uh, let's start with, uh, with some basketball today since that has been the uh, what's been on our TVs all day and what will be on many Auburn fans' TVs tonight. At 8 o'clock, Auburn will take on Notre Dame uh, inside the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Again, reminder that this is a part of uh, a little four-team tournament, which is why we've seen a lot of this stuff earlier today. There's some uh, stuff going on in Charleston, Myrtle Beach, with some some teams uh, having a tournament format. Just saw St. John's beat North Texas in a close one, and that one was in Charleston. So uh, the this is the time of year, as Brooks said, Feast Week, where you have a bunch of different uh, tournaments going on all over the place over these next couple of weeks. And so Auburn is in uh, their tournament in Brooklyn, and that will be taking place again. Uh, 5.30 is the first game for Oklahoma State and St. Bonaventure. And then Auburn, Notre Dame, 30 minutes after that. So, again, projected to be at 8 o'clock, of course, in the Legends Classic. And so, guys, we were talking a little bit about this off air. Unfortunately, fortunately, depending on your point of view, there is not a high um, – not, not highly regarded are these opponents that Auburn's going to have in the next couple of days. Now, again, you can look at it and say – Dang, was really hoping for huge resume boosters, huge opportunities, more opportunities on neutral floor to beat potential tournament teams. The reality is that these teams that they are going to be playing, while they do have some prestige from years past and are decently respected basketball programs, they are off to very, very poor starts. Uh, Notre Dame, who Auburn will play tonight, has already lost to Western Carolina on the season. I believe that was by a 10-point margin. Oklahoma State lost at home to Abilene Christian to open up the year. And St. Bonaventure won and won on the year with a four-point win against Longwood, which is not exactly something something mm. huge. 
and then lost at home to Canisius this past Saturday uh, by three. So all these teams, actually, that are in the Legends Classic, because including Auburn, of course, with their loss to Baylor, have already lost a game. So Auburn favored by 14-and-a-half. Again, the result of that game, they'll play either Oklahoma State and St. Bonaventure, which, again, 530, that's a two-and-a-half-point line. So what do you want to see from the Tigers tonight and in really both of these games? Well, for both of these games, I want to con- see them continue to get better defensively. Um, you know, we talked about uh, we, we've talked about them. That that's kind of been the struggle, and, and Bruce Pearl's talked about it to start the year. I want to see them get better, a little better defensively. I want to see them uh, not foul as much. I want to uh, keep uh, keep try to keep Notre Dame off that free throw line uh, tonight, and then whoever they play tomorrow, keep them off the free throw line a little bit more than you than you did. Um, I want to see uh, see if Aiden Holloway. Uh, can continue to uh, take over as you know. Can, can continue to be a, a solid guy at the, that point guard position. We've seen him uh, pretty solid through two games so far. Uh, but I, I want to see him see if he can uh, continue to to grow there, uh, especially with him being a, a true freshman. Um, I also kind of want to see. Uh, a little bit more from uh, some of the bench guys. You know, the the leading uh, guy off the bench this last w- uh, this last game, uh, Katie Johnson. Uh, and I think you know you get a little bit more out of him. He had 13 points against Southeast Louisiana, and you know Bruce talked about how. Uh, this new, uh, you know, how it, it, the the uh, Katie's been helped a little bit here. This this uh, coming off the bench here a little bit more um, this year, and so I, I think that if you can continue to see him grow and be an X factor here coming off the bench for the Tigers uh, these next couple games, I think that would speed that would be really really good setting up going towards some uh, you know the rest of this non conference schedule and into conference play. Um, and you know, if, uh, Janai Broom can replicate his performance from the other night, he had 18 points, led the Tigers in scoring. Uh, if he can continue to play like that, uh, continue to grab rebounds, I think he what, had 11 rebounds the other night. Um, if he can continue to grab rebounds and continue to assert himself as a dominant force that, you know, a lot of Tigers fans and folks know he is. And uh, I think a lot of the SEC knows that he's a, he's a dominant force. Uh, I think that if he can continue to replicate that performance against Southeast Louisiana tonight uh, would be big for the Tigers when it comes to this uh, this Legends Classic. I, I agree. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how Auburn will do in the second half because that's that was the problem last year. It was a problem in Baylor and uh, Southeastern Louisiana. Well, that's you know you're supposed to win that game by a lot of points, and they didn't do great in that game either. But I want to see consistent basketball play against inferior competition. You know, like you said, these schools are off to a bad start. But at the end of the day, Notre Dame has basketball talent. Oklahoma State has basketball talent, you know. So it should be – Auburn should handle these games pretty well. But if you, they don't, if they don't handle it now, then win. You should be able to do this. I know it's early in the season, so I'll, I'll give some leeway there. But I really want to see how they do against Notre Dame because I really do think they should – handle Notre Dame because I've watched Notre Dame this year in both of their games because I know they lost to Western Carolina and they really struggled against Niagara which is not a good thing to do and yeah that's not good either yeah <laughs> that's not good in um sports so um I think I think they should handle Notre Dame tonight and I really want to see some uh some good second half basketball I want to see consistency so uh, I'm really looking forward to it though and I think this will tell a lot for uh, the coming weeks and the coming uh season yeah, and, and look, I, I was uh, we were asked yesterday. Steve asked us what the the line could be on it because basketball lines usually only come out about twenty four hours before, if not, 
even sooner and uh, or or later, I guess. And at the time, I thought you know maybe about a nine point line or so. Well, again, it's fourteen and a half. That speaks to a type of game that and really shouldn't be overly that close. I mean, again, I know that the perception of okay, you're playing Notre Dame. Usually, Notre Dame is a tournament caliber caliber program. Again, one would think, eh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be uncomfortable in that game. But really, if Auburn wants to build upon its game against Baylor and it's going to want to look like an NCAA tournament team, it is a game that I will say, regardless of the margin, it should not be a game that in the second half you are overly worried about losing. Now, whatever that means, even if it's only seven, eight, nine points for a lot of the second half, but it just feels like Auburn's waiting to, to really pounce and, and go on a big run to close it, even if it's like that, Again, this Notre Dame team, and it's really been that way the last couple of years, this Notre Dame team is not the Notre Dame of when uh, Mike Bray got there. You know, Mike Bray is not there anymore, but he was, of course, Notre Dame head coach for over 20 years. I mean, was a well-established coach for them, took them to a lot of NCAA tournaments. But in the last three or four years, really up and down, it started with 18-19 where they went 14-19. and they then were having a decent year during COVID. COVID happens. They then go 11 and 15. They did have a nice year two years ago. They made the round of 32, won 24 games. But last year's Notre Dame team was 11 and 21 and 3 and 17 in the ACC. That's what caused the change there. And then you look at Notre Dame's players this year. Their two best performers so far are freshmen. Kerry Booth, who's averaging 15 and 7 as a big guy, freshman out of Colorado, 6'10 guy. So that's going to be size. That's going to be interesting matchup against Janai Broom. And then their best player so far in two games, Marcus Burton, also a freshman, completely different type of player, 5'11", so a foot difference in their two best players. That happens from time to time. But he's averaging 23 a game through two games. Now, will he average that all year? I doubt it. But, again, off to a really good start when he scored 29 against Niagara, even the 17 he had uh, in the loss against Western Carolina. So they do have a couple good players here or off to at least good starts, but they are freshmen. So I would actually contend to you that you try to uh, figure out when's a better time to play teams. I would say that a team that's relying on a couple freshmen early in the year, I would say playing them early in the year is probably a better time to play them than later in the year when they've gotten 15, 20, 25 games of college basketball experience under their belt so okay they've got a couple individual guys that have been playing well but even with those two guys that I, like i said are averaging combined 38 points the team so far through two games averaging 65 points a game so they're getting again more than half their production out of those two guys so one guard one big and as brooks you said when you were speaking a moment ago i think that the obvious thing to look at is how auburn guards and how much they foul uh, because when southeastern Louisiana fouls less and shoots more free throws than Auburn, look that that's you can however you always feel about officiating it for it to even be that close. Normally, you play an SEC team versus a team like southeastern Louisiana, that margin would be thirty free throws to sixteen in favor of the SEC team, or the other team commits seven or eight more fouls. And even the fact that it was fifty fifty tells you that there already seems to be a little bit of an issue there. So, and then you say, well, okay, is it possible that maybe Auburn's not going to draw as many fouls this year? Okay, you could start to look at that a little bit too. But I do know that when you couple the fact that Baylor's in the double bonus early, so early in the second half, Southeastern Louisiana draws double bonus there, I believe in both halves. 
that is looking like that is going to be a little bit of an issue. So though that's an obvious thing. And uh, we'll talk with Brian Matthews a little bit more about it coming up at, at 415. And uh, we'll have a little, few more thoughts on some individuals that we want to see step up. But for now, let's take our first time out of the show. When we come back, we'll have some of your phone calls, also some college football talk for you. This is the Thursday edition of Sports Call live on Tiger 95.9. Join our conversation. Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday. Again, previewing a little bit for Auburn basketball taking on Notre Dame tonight. Again, they will have another game tomorrow against either Oklahoma State or St. Bonaventure. So we'll talk a little bit more about that as the show goes on. And again, Brian Matthews will be coming up at 4.15 to talk about that game, talk about Auburn football versus New Mexico State. And just all the momentum the football program is starting to get on the heels of three straight victories and some important recruiting battles. For now, we go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time today. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up on the show this afternoon, Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Hey, it's almost Friday. How, how else could, could you feel, right? Uh, well, it could be it could be Friday, and then I would feel even better. Yeah, well, it's almost Friday, so we're almost there. So we're guys. almost there. Let's yeah. get let's get to it. Uh, TP, welcome back, and Brooks Childers, as always, uh, welcome back, homie. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, let's get to it. Uh, about this game tonight, guys. You know, run. Uh, please refresh my memory. I I I recall I thought yesterday that when we talked about Notre Dame, that they looked pretty much, you know. Not a difficult win, and probably I think you said we should win by double digits, or did I recollect it wrongly? Yeah, actually, I actually uh, brought this up in the first segment. Yeah, you you did ask me about it, and I thought the line would end up being uh, around eight or nine, and of course the line is is much higher than that. Right, it's fourteen and a half. Well, I went to a uh, website that I typically go to see projections for football and college basketball. It's a CBS and Sport line. And uh, I got I got to run this by you guys um, because I said, wow, uh, from reading what I've read about him. In fact, uh, Jason Caldwell's a comedy said that Notre Dame is expected to be the bottom or the bottom feeders in their conference. But uh, I don't know what kind of statistics were plugged in to get this result. But uh, Sportslines dot uh, com uh, computer uh, projections have us winning. Hold on, seventy five to seventy. I said, wow. I said, I thought this was not going to be a nail-biter. Guys, uh, what would have led their computer to make that kind of a nail-biter uh, prediction? Uh, I mean, I guess the pathway there would be the concern about Auburn's defense and uh, the fact that Notre Dame 
Uh, you know, when Notre Dame's struggle so far has been offensively, so the thought that on a neutral floor they still draw fouls, Auburn commits too many fouls, and then you have uh, a closer game because of that. I mean, Notre Dame is not playing good competition, so they do seem to be behind the eight ball offensively. They're doing fine defensively. I mean, 71 and 63 points allowed is, is nothing unreasonable. So uh, this, this does seem to be maybe a, a lower-scoring type of team, uh, maybe they're able to do some things defensively uh, against Auburn to at least keep it down a little bit. And again, the neutral floor element does throw off, you know, a little bit some of some of things. So again, I, I think that would be the argument. I, I, I again, as as I've thought more about it, I I've, I am becoming more confident about a ten to twelve point Auburn win. But uh, that, that doesn't mean it's not five points with say six or seven minutes to go, and it's a little n- nervous at that point. I mean, I. I I, I would still be a little surprised yet encouraged if Auburn won this game so decisively that there was no doubt about it throughout the entirety of the second half. Yeah, and uh, okay. to, to back it up, uh, Steve, I, I always look at Ken Palm, which is a fifty. You know, a lot of people have their feelings towards it. Ken Palm's computer has Auburn winning eighty-one to sixty-six, which is just based off of statistics uh, so far this season. Granted, you know, I believe both teams have played two or three games this year, so uh, take it for what it's worth. But yeah, I, I agree with Ryan on that. I think uh, you know it could be close. You know, with the seven-minute mark, or you know, after the uh, one of those media timeouts, I could see it being you know like a three to four-point ball game but I could see Auburn's you know talent and honestly just a better team uh taking over and uh, pulling this one out and it could look it could look like better on the box score for Auburn fans it could look like more decisive than it actually was but I, I do agree with uh, Ken Palm on that that I think Auburn will win by around 10 to 15 points so I'm wondering because well, we don't know what kind of weight you know uh do either of these uh computer predictions put on certain uh metrics because one has us being a five-point nail-biter win, and Ken Palm has us, don't worry about it. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I mean, again, I don't study the, what the computers say, uh, so I, I, don't, I don't know what goes into their formulas and their predictions. I know that earlier in the year, though, I would imagine my logic would say there could be more variance because you're trying to weight such a small sample size, and there's still a lot more unknowns than, say, 10, 15, 20 games in. So, I mean, I, I think it's easier to believe early in a season when you don't have a lot of data points for a computer to spit out different stuff. Okay. All right, moving on, guys. Um, you may may not care about this, but I just saw that uh, Australia won by, hold on, three wickets, whatever wicket is, uh, over uh, South Africa. So they'll be playing for the uh, Cup, uh, the, the championship tomorrow uh, at 2.30 in the morning, if you central our, our time, by the way. Um, I don't know if ESPN is going to be share, uh, showing that, uh, but they'll be playing India. So uh, for those of you who are uh, maybe struggling with uh, sleeping, uh, you may just want to go ahead and uh, and watch it at 2.30 in the morning. Yeah, something right. for the late night crowd. Yeah. Uh, moving on, guys. Uh, you know, Mr. Jim uh, McLeod, uh, he is really a heck of a uh, athlete, uh, better than I thought he was, uh, because not only did he get – three sacks in the most recent game against Arkansas, but that has not been done since the last time it was done by who? Derek Hall. I don't know if you guys were aware of that. Uh, I, I didn't know the particular performance so that was most recent, but obviously Derek Hall was the best pass rusher the last couple of years, so that makes sense. Yeah, and I also didn't know that 
uh, Mr. McLeod, uh, was also named the Pro Football Focus National Defensive Player of the Week. I didn't know he was that, uh, I guess, commendable. Yeah, again, three sacks, four tackles for a loss, big week, forced fumble. I mean, he checked all the boxes there. All right, then I'm reading about a basketball game again tonight that apparently uh, there's a guy, a freshman by the name of Brock uh, for Notre Dame, who apparently doesn't uh, hesitate to take shots. Uh, in fact, he says he took 35 attempts in their most recent game. And so I was reading that apparently uh looks like our work is cut out for us with uh, between Trey Dawson and uh, Aiden Holloway. Uh, what do you make of that, guys, uh, uh, the freshman taking 35 shots? Yeah, well, I mean, we, we talked about the two freshmen there that uh, clearly have, have stood out for, for Notre Dame, combining for 38 of their around 66 points. I, I think you're thinking of uh, the, the guard Marcus Burton. Uh, Burton. Who, yeah, Burton? Yeah, Burton, who's averaging 23 a game through two games. Uh, and then they've got their second best player, I believe, uh, Carey Booth. I think uh, was his name. Yeah, Carey Booth. You're right. It's uh, Marcus Burton. You're correct. Yeah, Marcus Burton and Carey Booth are their two that are combined. That are both freshmen, combining for 38 points here in the first couple games of the year. Yeah, I've said here, Burton is a bomb shooter, and he's already had 35 shot tips in uh, two games. Yeah. So I mean, again, they're they're freshmen. They're gonna they're gonna be launching, but again, they. They were eleven and twenty-one or eleven twenty-two last year. So again, they, they they needed to bring in some new players. And and Bruce Pearl talks about trying to get the the race to get older in college basketball and get more experience. Notre Dame's just trying to get uh, different talent in there. So they're they're a young team. Uh, they they'll play pr- probably carefree. That'll help them at times. That'll hurt them at times. And so uh, yeah, no, th- those two guys, Booth the, the six foot ten big, and then Burton the five eleven freshman guard. I mean, those are those are the two to watch. Okay, now the guys, uh, uh, thing that uh, just really caught me uh, by surprise. I thought it was unfair, but anyway, uh, about the, the charging blocking rule. Uh, do you recall what the NCAA explanation was for why they made the uh, the, the changes and why now? According uh, to Bruce Pearl, he thinks. Uh, in fact, he says, "I don't think it's very pretty basketball." Was his words uh, about the, uh, the rule change? Uh, what was the reason behind that? Well, I, I don't know for sure what the reason behind that was. I don't know the official NCAA explanation. I would speculate that they probably got tired of all these controversial block charge calls and they wanted a rule that would make it more uniform and more easy to digest. Um, now, will that actually end up happening? That's up for debate because we always criticize things and calls and, and rules and that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, I, I think that that block charge call has been the most uh, controversial. It, it is the targeting of college basketball. We, we talk about it uh, all the time. There's always a, a call in almost every game that could go either way. And, and we'll see if this rule ends up, again, like I say, making things less controversial. Now, I do think it would aid offenses a little bit because, again, help side defenders – uh, really can't get involved here with the with the block charge stuff. They're going to be called for blocks, uh, so it does encourage better on the ball defense on drives and that sort of thing. I, I don't hate that, uh, but but it does take an adjustment. And and again, the help defense will have to look look different now from other teams. Now uh, now it might also increase the ability weak side blocking shots. These the, if you get bigger bodied guys, it might help you cloud the the paint down low a little bit more, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see how that rule plays out. I've honestly, I, I've 
watched a decent amount of games so far. I've not seen it come into play too much yet, so hopefully it will stay that way. But I, I know Bruce Pearl is very outspoken against it. I'm just wondering, do you think we'll see a an increased frequency of fouls being called? Well, not not fouls in general, but just just that those calls will be way more leaning towards blocking calls than charges. Uh, the, the stat, again, that I, I've relayed a couple times on the show, I was watching North Carolina's first basketball game, and the commentators talked about they had spoken to some some officials that worked in the ACC, and they said they reviewed 100 uh, charge calls from last year, and under this year's rule, 94 of them would have been called blocks. So it's, it's not that there are more calls because that kind of call was always called something it's just that it's going to then skew heavily towards being called a block not a charge okay so maybe this is you're saying you'll even the 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 playing field better you'll uh be less blocking charges to that has been in the past yeah, I mean, well, it, it depends on your definition of, of the playing field being even because I think there's many that think it's already skewing towards an offensive game anyway because of the way hand checks are called and, and that sort of thing. So uh, it, it does make it harder to, uh, to, to obviously get a charge call, uh, and it does increase the importance of, again, like I said, on the ball defending, not getting beaten so bad that you need help defense. So, I mean, it, it does those things, but – uh, it also might. I mean, if, if the also the the hope is when you change a rule like that, I would think they would hope that that collision would take place less. That less help, help side defenders will even be trying to draw a charge because they know it's going to be called a block in most cases. So uh, there might be, there might even be less collision at the rim. We'll see. It's too early to tell. And about that, uh, since you brought that up, Brian, because uh, Phil Marshall. Uh, made a comment in his article uh, today about that. Uh, these, to me, they're called ticky tack. Uh, away from the ball, you know, hand check fouls. Uh, we seem to get a great number of those. Maybe it's just because I watch Auburn. Uh, what, what's, what's the rationale, reasoning for calling these ticky tack away from the ball hand, uh, hand check fouls? Uh, the term would be freedom of movement, and it's something that is talked a lot about in the NBA where they want the game to be able to be spaced out and they want the game to uh, – they, they want a freedom of movement for all players. And that inherently leans towards an offensive uh, offensive benefit because then you can't you know bump and, and hit hard these guys that are trying to get to certain spaces on the floor. So it is, it is an offensively geared – uh, geared rule there, and it obviously does make it more difficult to defend away away from the basket. Okay, all right. Uh, I think that's all I've got, guys, except for Mr. Hal Baird being uh, recognized for. Uh, I did not know. I knew he was great, but I didn't know he was this great. Apparently, he has the most wins in all of Auburn sports. And he was recognized for that, uh, I guess, recently. Um, yeah, 634 games. That's the most wins in, any, in, in, in Auburn history in any sport. And apparently he received the Jack Mayer Award. Uh, I don't know if it was uh, a more recent game, but I didn't know he had that many wins. Um, I don't know if you guys knew it. Well, it was certainly coached a long time, and I, I hate to be such a, a math nerd here, but, but baseball plays so many more games that obviously there's going to be 
a lot of opportunity there. I mean, they play right. they play about double the games of basketball, and, and softball is the other one. But softball at Auburn did not start uh, nearly as long ago as baseball, and, and so there's not even been really the opportunity for softball coaches to rack up that many years enough to to win, other than than one or two. And and of course, they moved on quicker than that. So uh, it, it kind of makes sense once you go through how many competitions there are. But I, I certainly don't want to discredit the great Hal Baird because he obviously was a a great baseball coach. And the great Sonny Smith. I didn't know he'd been passed over until I read it. That now Bruce uh, Bruce Pearl has surpassed him. He's in third place now. Oh yeah, and I when it comes to basketball. Yeah, I, I I did not know that. I did not know that. Yeah. All right, guys. That's it. Thank you. Uh, let me uh, ramble as uh, as I do. Uh, my time is way up. So y'all have a safe afternoon and evening, and uh, we'll make it tomorrow and give a shot for Fun Friday. Yes, sir. Or you'll see. Appreciate that phone call as always. That is retired Ward AM Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are going to head to our next timeout. Back with more sports call after this. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, TP Hammock with you here on this Thursday. If you want to give us a call today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Appreciate the call from Retire Ward MC. Again, reminder, coming up at 4.15 today, Brian Matthews will be joining us to talk all things Auburn football and Auburn basketball again, on the heels of a really productive weekend again for the Tigers. Again, some recruiting rumblings, too, as Auburn tries to make big, big headwave there. Uh, and it just really feels like at this moment everything is starting to come together. Now, uh, you are very likely to beat New Mexico State. Then you take on Alabama, and then that's kind of a moment of truth to, to finish off year one with a home Iron Bowl. But – uh, they again. We we did some expectations versus reality thoughts yesterday. They certainly seem to be uh, realizing first season expectations now after the the shaky sequence there in the middle of the season with 
with the four straight SEC losses. Yeah, and you know, they did they did trip up obviously, but we got to remember those were some tough games. Those were not easy contests right there. You had like Georgia, Ole Miss, LSU, Texas A and M. I mean, you know, those four straight losses were to you know competent teams. So it's good to see them get their footing back. You know, they get to play an improved New Mexico State team. You know, we've always seen New Mexico State go and get destroyed by Alabama and some other schools. But you know, they're eight and three. They're now in the Conference USA. I'm not saying it's going to be close. I'm just saying that. You know, they're better than what they used to be. So um, I think it'll be good. I'm really looking forward. I think Auburn will pick up their seventh win and get to host um, Alabama next weekend, and that'll be always fun, always great atmosphere there for the Iron Bowl, of course. But, um, yeah, it seems like things are really starting to click. The offense is clicking. Defense is still, you know, Ron Roberts has done an incredible job with them and uh, really excited to see how they can close out the year. You know, I'd be very pleased after – just how bad that that spell was offensively uh for the most part i'd be pleased with an eight and five season i know people uh i know some people are like oh well bowl games don't matter because no one cares but unless you win then it matters but if you lose it doesn't matter but i'd be very pleased with an eight and five season you know going into you know that'll be after national uh early signing day and i know auburn's got a lot of momentum on the recruiting trail right now so I've been very pleased with Auburn. Uh, it's gone the way I've thought. Uh, I wouldn't say I'd expect it to go this way, but, you know, at the end of the day, the record-wise is about what I thought. So, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty nice uh, so far. But, uh, Brooks, what about you? What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, you know, you look back, if you go back and you listen to our pod, Sports Call podcast uh, presented by Coca-Cola, you, we go back to the beginning of the season and we we talk about expectations. I think I was one of the folks that said six and six, seven and five was my area. And I'll be honest, I was probably more lean toward the six and six side of things. Uh, you look at that Auburn, this Auburn football schedule this year, um, and I, you know the the one that I I think I tossed it up and I said could go either way was this last game against Arkansas. Uh, and again, to be honest, I, I really thought in preseason that Arkansas was going to be a, a better team than they were this year. I think a lot of people did. And so uh, the, the, uh, Sam Pittman and them kind of falling on their face this year uh, really opened up the door for Auburn. There were different points throughout the year where you you know you could thought that you know you look at this Auburn team they could get a win here and there, um, and I, they were in games. They were in some really some games you didn't think they were going to be in. I, I think a lot of people thought that Georgia was going to come in and blow the doors off of the Tigers uh, at Jordan Hare Stadium. That didn't happen. Uh, Auburn hung in that football game for a while, and uh, it it ultimately was that last drive that Brock Bowers drive uh, was what I think we a lot of folks have deemed it uh, that uh, that sealed the deal there I think a lot of folks thought that they could hang around with LSU with that with the way that LSU's defense uh, has been playing this year and you know that was kind of that was a well, I think it was an anomaly for this football team that uh they performed that bad uh on the road at lsu you uh you hung around a little bit with Ole miss Ole miss ultimately got a, got away from you but you know you look at this this uh the season you're sitting here you're one win away from a seven and five season which is you know uh, better than what some people f- thought was going to happen um and then you're too you know if you were able to do uh pull off a huge upset next weekend you're sitting there looking at eight and four which is what a lot of people thought could have been the high point uh of this year and, and you know it, it's it's been a an impressive job so far by Hugh Freeze, and I think what you've seen, and you know Hugh Freeze has talked about these last few weeks, you've seen Freeze get a little bit more into the play calling, a little bit more into the game planning, and that's really helped. And I think also getting Peyton Thorne as your main quarterback there uh, has also really, really helped things. But 
man, you know, Auburn, Auburn football, you, you've set yourself, you flipped some big recruits. Uh, you're, you're working on some other big recruits here coming into the next couple years. Uh, you know, it, it's a, this is, even though you're going to finish about what people thought you were going to, it's not like, you know, you're not making groundbreaking anything here. You're setting yourself up in a really good position after year one, if you freeze. So we also had uh, in that conversation with retired Ward and Steve, he talked a little bit about Hal Baird and, that got me thinking baseball, and I wanted to bring this uh, little bit of a different thing up. So the Auburn just had their kind of like fall World Series. Uh, they're scrimmaging against each other, the orange and blue teams. I think orange won the other night, but blue won the series as a whole. Did you guys see what the benefit was to winning that series? Did you no, guys see that? I didn't. You didn't? Okay, this is great. The losers had, you know, a fine meal, beans, hot dogs, you know, ballpark stuff there. That's fine. The winners got steak. Ooh. Winners got a big bunch of steak, uh, mashed potatoes, looks like a couple other good sides. So they basically incentivize the winner of the Fall World Series to get uh, better food. I think that's a fun little idea. I, I don't know if I'd do it in football because then people start knocking each other's heads off and practice <laughs> over that stake and stuff, and, and maybe you don't want an injury. <laughs> but in, in the in the lesser contact of sports, I'd say even basketball too, that's a fun little incentive to, uh, to do when you're practicing against yourself, give yourself a little something extra to play for, because I know I'm always motivated by a good steak dinner. Listen, if you listen to the, uh, the opening to our show, I'm motivated by food quite a bit. And so if you put out there a steak dinner i would i would compete a little bit harder if, if you told me here's what here's what i'll say if you told me that the the if the thunder chickens won a softball game uh which it, we did we did but if you told me the thunder chickens winning a softball game would get us a steak dinner i think we would have won a game a lot sooner than we did like, <laughs> or certainly certainly taken it a lot harder yeah that that we didn't something like that so i just thought that was a, a fun little thing to incentivize yeah i mean technically we are like three months away uh, from the opening day for, for college baseball. but It's never uh, too early. Never too early to be trying to, to play your best. And, and a steak dinner online certainly uh, will motivate you to do that. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, tiger 9 to call into the orthopedic clinic phone line today. We go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line now. Matt from Phoenix City. Matt is with us. Matt, how are you this afternoon? Hey, I'm wonderful, wonderful. I hope you guys are doing well also. Yes, sir, we are. Um, I heard you talking about a steak dinner. I don't know if that was for me, but uh, <laughs> I'm flattered. But uh, I'm, I'm thinking about being vegan. Okay. Uh, All right. Well, we'll give you the, the impossible steak then. Yeah, no, it's impossible that I'm going to be vegan. <laughs> um, hey, so I read, um, I hate that I miss Steve. Um, I always try to catch Steve's call. You know, it's it's no doubt that, that him calling is the highlight of his day. Uh, <laughs> and it makes my day to hear the energy and the, and the passion that he has about Auburn sports. And uh, I hate that I missed him, but he may have touched on this, that Saturday is an opportunity for uh, Auburn to pick up win number 800 in the program. Yes, so that has not been mentioned, but they are at 799 right now, yes. That's that's awesome. I hope uh, I hope they have a big plan, and and I hope it's a blowout, um, not the game. Uh, I hope the hope they have a big celebration for that. Um, I tell you, I, I don't. I've tried to find it uh, while I'm sitting here, but 
I don't know what the over-under is for Saturday. Do you know? Uh, I know the line's 24-and-a-half. I'll double-check on the uh, on the actual over-under, but I know Auburn's been floating in that low to mid-20s uh, for the, uh, for the line. Probably in the 40s? No, uh, probably in the 50s over-under then. Yeah, I would imagine. I know New Mexico State's quarterback play. The the line right now is officially 24 uh, favoring Auburn, and then the over-under uh, is 48.5. So what's that, a 37-13, thir- uh, 36-12 type of game, something like that? Well, I'm going to tell you, take the over. If Pavia plays, take the over. Okay. Um, that kid, God, he's electric. Um. I guess he's maybe a little undersized, um, and and great for him for the career that he had at New Mexico State. But shame on some other schools for not giving him a chance. Um, that kid can absolutely play. He's going to be fun to watch Saturday. Um, my guess is that as a as a tune up going into the Iron Bowl, that that we may play things kind of close to the vest defensively. Um, and I just I think New Mexico State's probably going to put up some points. Um, I don't I don't think the game's in jeopardy. I don't I don't feel threatened by them, but um, I do think they're going to come in and put up some points. Uh, so I'd take the over on that. Um, is Denver Jones out tonight? Uh, not that I have read. Uh, I will I will uh, monitor the, uh, the the beat guys, and we can ask Brian Matthews about that here in about 20 minutes, but, but not to my knowledge. There's some buzz going around. Maybe he's injured again. Um, this is not the time of year. Well, I guess there's never a time of year that you want to start having injuries, but um, I'd hate to see it, you know, while you're trying to, trying to gel and get things rolling for basketball season, but... Um, Tell me something about tell me something about Notre Dame basketball. I don't know anything about them. Sure. So yeah, again, that normally they are a, a tournament caliber program. They went to many NCAA tournaments in Mike Bray's twenty plus seasons. But last year was his last year because they had starting to fall on hard times. They only won eleven games last year, and so they had to bring in some freshmen. So that's their best couple of players. They've got a guard, uh, Marcus Burton, who's averaging uh, twenty three points a game in their first two games. Uh, they also have another uh, another freshman and Kerry Booth, who's at fifteen point seven rebounds in their first two games. However, they did lose by 10 points to Western Carolina. So that is why Auburn is favored by about 14, 15 points in this game. Right. It's going to be tough to go on the road, and, and it's going to be tough to cover that. Um, I do think we come out with a win. But, um, you know, Pearl was harping a lot preseason about defense and defensive intensity and um, you know, we got scorched a little bit by the guard from Baylor, but I think he's going to do that to a lot of people this year. But defensively, I thought we've looked pretty solid. Um, certainly, in, uh, who was the last? I can't even remember who the last South, game was. Southeastern Louisiana. Yeah. Um, you know, KD came out and he was KD. He turned up the defensive intensity and, and, um, turned them over a little bit and started some scoring runs. And um, I think this team's going to be okay defensively. I don't think we're going to block as many shots as we have. Um, 
you know, in the last few years, but um, I think we're going to be okay defensively. I just wonder, you know, transitioning to this to this uh, five out offense. Apparently, Janai Brown's a three point shooter now, um, but transition to this this five out offense. That's my concern. Is um, you know, I know that that he feels like we can we can shoot the ball really well, but you know. He scored a lot of points for that flex cut, um, and I just hope that that's still going to be. I hope that's still going to be in the bag of tricks um, for the for the team going forward. Um, I think Holloway is going to be able to fill it up pretty well, and um, you know, Janai is probably going to give us a double double every night. Um, but you know, I just don't know that. I don't know. I don't know that a that a huge change in offensive uh, philosophy is going to lend itself to a lot of success early on. Maybe by the time we get to tournament time, things will be rolling. But um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. But definitely take the over Saturday. Um, and I, ooh, I may take Notre Dame tonight. Just I, I don't know that we'll cover. It, it is a lot to cover. Uh, if Denver Jones is out, that does affect it. I, I will say that, you know, I think that uh, obviously you want Denver out there. Uh, he is expected to be one of the most important scorers for Auburn. But because these teams in this tournament are struggling, again, Notre Dame losing to Western Carolina, Oklahoma State to Abilene Christian, uh, and then St. Bonaventure to Canisius, all these teams have already had a real whoops moment in the season. So these might be the type of teams where you can go into it and get away with playing a B or B plus game. You always want to play your A game. I get it, but I would I I, I do think that fourteen and a half. Yes, uh, that would be a, a nice win if Auburn could cover that. But they can still have a nice win with something under that. If they win by ten to twelve points and and dictate pace and that sort of thing, it would still qualify as a pretty solid outing. So yeah, I, I certainly can see that not being a cover. And then uh, as for the New Mexico State game, Matt, I would I would just say that. You know, I I think if the defense is focused, that's really what we're talking about because I mean they have limited plenty of SEC teams into the teens, uh, and and while the quarterback Pavia is good, you wonder what all is around him and how it will hold up against the team like Auburn. But uh, I I think Auburn can score more. You know what we said that was going to be like a what a thirty seven thirteen type of game. I can see Auburn score more than that right. too. So I think they could get pretty close to the over over under themselves. I think Auburn scores in the 40s. I think New Mexico State probably lands somewhere in the high teens, maybe in the 20s. Sure. Um, just because I think, you know, once once we get comfortable Saturday, I think we'll rest some guys. Um, hope, hopefully, uh, some guys like Jalen Simpson, Jark you know, maybe we don't even see them in the second half. Um, that would be the goal, I would but, think. Yeah, I think so, too, because – Next week's going to be a juggernaut. But um, anyway, thanks. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I'm also curious, and then I'm going to hang up. Yes, sir. Uh, if you know what direction we may go in without Dr. Andrews. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I have not thought much about that one. I'll have to. I'll have to be coming up with the answer to that during this break. That's a big one. Yes, it is. He's uh, been around a long time and, and done great work there. Uh, one of the most famous surgeons in the world. There. Yeah. That's right. Y'all have a good night. 
You too, Matt. We appreciate that phone call. That is Matt from Phoenix City joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are out of time for hour number one. Stay tuned. A lot more ahead. Again, coming up at 4.15, Brian Matthews will be joining us. Stay tuned. That and more is next. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9. Not making Brooks mad during the break. Not doing no, that you're not whatsoever. Me mad. You're not making me mad. Yeah, we're still brothers. Yeah. Ryan Lavoy, Brooks Childress, TP Hammock with you here on this Thursday. Again, coming up in about 10 minutes, Brian Matthews, Auburn Rivals. Talk the good momentum Auburn football has and what to expect for Auburn basketball. If we have time, Brian's also a great guy to talk about baseball. So maybe we throw a baseball question his way. Uh, or two, so we'll see if we get into that. Uh, speaking of baseball, was exciting news that uh, Atlanta will host the All- MLB All Star Weekend in 2025. Uh, so I know justified. So I know Brooks, you're probably already trying to f- figure out how to get in line for tickets. Yeah, I, I was. I, uh, it's they're not letting you get in line yet because you still have another <laughs> another All Star game between there. Some technicality about we have to sell this game first. <laughs> but you know, fair nah. seems fair. Uh, but definitely going to look forward to that one. You did have the news there in baseball of uh, the A's going to Vegas officially now, uh, proved upon by the owners. Uh, you also have I give you good, unanimously too. By the way, sure, every yeah. owner voted in so favor you, of it. You don't like any of no. That. Uh, so, it, it, but in this five minutes that we do have, I do want to mention because we've not mentioned it whatsoever. There is free agency going on right now. And I sure I'm, I know Braves Nation is is very eager to figure out if they've got a realistic shot at Otani. I I will tell you this: I certainly believe that Otani is interested in the Braves. I do believe that. However, the Braves are just not going to offer him what the other teams will offer. So if Otani wants to prioritize a, a five to seven year stretch of competing for championships, like and that's the only thing that matters to him. Then sure, Atlanta's going to be the top of that heat because they've got a lot of their core players signed for the next five to seven years. I mean, it's not it's not rocket science. However, I don't think Atlanta is going to bring a truly competitive offer to the table uh, for Otani. I think Atlanta's priority is a starting pitcher. I think there's a couple that they're going to look at, uh, including one in their division uh, from these past several years. And so I, I think that Atlanta is going to sign a pitcher 
to a multiple year 20 22 23 25 million dollar a year contract because simply otani i still think is in the market to get 40 to 50 million a year and i know he, I, I just think atlanta thinks that their their lineup is good and and look i you can argue just throw money at it doesn't matter but uh I, atlanta has done a good job of doing it a different way and and believing in their core guys and then throwing in an, an additional guy here and there i don't know if they if they give the all-time braves record contract to a guy from from outside when it would definitely be look generational i get it he's awesome but this is tommy john surgery too that usually does start to affect your pitching if he does and it's not like so it's not like oh well if he's just you know 70 percent as good as a pitcher well i mean if you're 70 percent as good as a pitcher then you're down to having a four era and then okay fine he can pitch and hit too but if he's not a top three starter then you start to doubt you know what the value is there and he might be totally fine but i'm just saying like that's a fair worthy worthy uh excuse me worry for a team that is trying to start to figure out starting pitcher charlie morton is not getting younger bryce elder did not have a good second half and so i i, I again i have my I, I i won't flesh them all out but i have my hesitations there i certainly understand some brave's point of view uh but guys free agency i i know tp you're not technically a brace fan but what is what should be the Braves' goal here in in, in a couple minutes? Um, Braves' goal. You see, the thing is, if again, again, all right, I'll just go ahead and put if they if they make if they can make a run at Otani, you, you at least you know you at least throw an offer out there. Like you said, there's there's other clubs in this in in the league that are going to be able to throw a lot more money at them than the Braves are willing to. Uh, so it's uh you know you you may not you you may not be able to get too far in that lottery. Um. Other than that, I think getting somebody in uh, a, a, a big name starting pitcher uh, that can that can help you carry into the postseason uh, would be great because you you looked at last year. I, I know that you know you look at the starting pitching last year wasn't horrendous, but once you got to that postseason, you were starting to have to piece things together. You were starting to have to be like, what can we do here? Can we bring this guy back on a little bit shorter rest? What's what what's going on here? I think you need to help continue to solidify. Obviously. Uh, you can never have too many bullpen pitchers either. Uh, the Braves re-signed two here last couple of weeks and then let two go in the for, from bullpen. So go ahead and you know try to get some some another uh, high end reliever. I'll tell you who's a uh, you don't need him because you do have a, a guy that you're pretty confident you're pretty uh, set with with a long uh, a little bit of a deal at the closer position. But Craig Kimbrell is a free agent, an unrestricted free agent this uh, this off season. So if, you know, just for the NIMS, maybe you bring him <laughs> back. Uh, but you, uh, you, you've got a guy uh, that's that that's in that position. But I think pitching right now should be your biggest worry. Again, you look at that lineup this past year, and I know that, you know, you, you everybody's going to look at the postseason. They didn't hit the postseason. Well, they hit the rest of the year. At all 162 it, before. You, <laughs> you had, what, three silver sluggers on that, that yeah, team? And should have been four. Azuna, uh, Harper, 
over Ozuna was a choice. Like, you, absolute choice. You don't need to go out and get a bat unless it's you can feasibly get the best bat and add to that lineup. But you know, I, I think that pitching right now, you've got some. You know, you, I'm, I'm looking here at the uh, at the guys that are on that uh, that list of starting pitchers that are out there free unrestricted free agents right now. You got a Marcus Stroman out there, uh, Hinjin Ryu's out there, Clayton Kershaw's technically an unrestricted free agent. He's probably not going to sign anywhere else but the Dodgers. Uh, Martin uh, Martin Perez is out there. Lance Lynn is out there. Uh, we, you, uh, you got uh, Eduardo Rodriguez is out there. Julio Urias is out there. Um, and you know, you mentioned uh, a, a pitcher inside the division, yeah. Mr. Aaron Nola. Is I think out it's there. Gray or Nola. Um, Sonny Gray is yeah. out. You Blake Snell's a guy that just won the Cy Young, and he's a free agent this year. Uh, and so there's there's a lot of big names out there that you can go and you can get to help solidify that pitching staff uh, and just add another veteran arm to the staff that you can be uh, try to be more confident in once you get to that uh, late season and hope that injuries don't uh, ravage you again. So I am uh, I'm not a Braves fan like Ryan said I'm a Yankees fan but I can try to pinpoint my viewpoint from an unbiased standpoint yeah I mean everyone won't show Otani but here's the thing do you know who has the biggest contract in Braves history it's B J Upton okay <laughs> fun fact free agent but, yeah yeah free agent yep. contract obviously but um. I don't think they're going to get Shohei, and I don't think Shohei really wants to come to Atlanta. But anyway, I would go towards you know more of those like veteran role, um, those veteran um, pitchers, those uh, relief pitchers. You know, I'm not saying you have to get Josh Hader or anything like that, but get some you know dependable arms because that's what wins you those World Series is those those guys who have been in the league for a long time and know what they're doing. So you don't need to work on the bats; you need to get some competent relief pitching, whether that be. Craig Kimbrell or someone else along those lines that won't, you know, break the bank. So that's that's the route I would go if I was the Braves. And bring back Jesse Chavez. <laughs> yes. Miss, miss Jesse Chavez towards the end of last year. He did get back in September, but then he was not on the postseason roster just because he'd pitched so little and weren't comfortable with it. But, again, pitching was not, of course, the issue when it mattered the most. Uh, out of time for this segment, when we come back, Brian Matthews. Of Auburn Rivals will join us again, talk all things Auburn football and Auburn basketball. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. My joints aren't what they used to be. Routine exercise, playing ball outside with the kids, riding bikes on vacation. I never worried about keeping up. But now, my joint pain has started slowing me down. I decided to make an appointment with the orthopedic clinic. Their surgical partners had the experience, technology, and personalized approach to care that I was looking for. Best of all, it was close to home. I'm thankful I chose the orthopedic clinic. Don't let joint pain slow you down. Visit theorthoclinic.com and schedule your appointment today. From the Tennessee Valley to the Gulf Coast, we've got all the high school football covered right here. Hi, everybody. It's Jay Jeffcoat inviting you to join us all season long for the AHSAA Radio Network Scoreboard Show right here. We'll bring you all the scores and highlights every Friday night from 10 to midnight. Presented by Central Alabama Community College, Wickles Pickles, Main Street Urgent Care, Southeastern Land Group, Russell DeWitt Centers, the Alabama Department of Transportation, and Southern Union State Community College. The AHSAA Scoreboard Show, Fridays at 10 p.m. on FM Talk. 
Get ready, Gulf Coast. Shrimp Basket's annual gift card sale is back. And they've sweetened the deal this year. Get your gifts and get yourself a gift all in one. Coming to the Shrimp Basket near you. Buy $30 for a friend or family. Get $30 for you. There's no limit. Starts November 20th through December 24th. In store at any of the 18 locations and online. And only inside the store, the $5 coupon calendars are back with over $400 in discounts to use throughout the year. Visit shrimpbasket.com for more information. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Thursday. Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and T.P. Hammock with you here on this Thursday. We are now excited to go back to our orthopedic clinic phone line where we welcome on Brian Matthews of Auburn Rivals, kind enough to take some time out of his day to join us. Brian, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. We appreciate you being on. So a lot of talk about in Auburn athletics right now. We'll get to basketball in just a few minutes, but let's start some Auburn football, Brian. And last weekend felt like one of the more all-around and just impactful Auburn football weekends in quite some time. Uh, Just talk a little bit about the momentum that now finally starts to feel real during the season for this football team. Yeah, and I think when you talk about last week, you've got to talk about going into last week because, you know, Auburn was the underdog at Arkansas. Arkansas was coming off a really nice win at Florida, right? So, um, you know, that was going to be a tough game going into it and one that a lot of people thought that Arkansas would win. But um, Arkansas... Auburn went up there and dominated it. And, um, you know, I think that's a big step forward for this program because uh, until then uh, they had won five games they were favored in and lost four games they were underdogs in. And they flipped that script up in Arkansas. And, you know, of course they're favored, uh, I think, by around three touchdowns this weekend. Got to like their chances there. And then, you know, there'll be an underdog against Alabama, but we know that um, the Iron Bowl at Jordan-Hare Stadium, uh, a lot can happen on, you know, a, a late afternoon. Saturday, right? Oh, uh, we we know it quite well. And if 2021 can be a woulda, shoulda, coulda, we know that yep. we know that they're all uh, within the realm of possibility. Uh, so, Brian, with the quarterback situation, in Auburn. I mean, when we talked early in the year, uh, it was still Robbie Asher getting packages. We we saw that uh, kind of digress into then all of a sudden playing full sequences and that sort of thing. Last few weeks. Obviously, it helps Peyton Thorne playing well to, to start these games, but we've seen it all be Thorne. Has it been as simple as just allowing him to have the full offense and allowing him uh, to just go at it without any interruption, or is there just vastly different stuff that this uh, staff is calling? Just what has aided Peyton Thorne in becoming the more confident version of himself, the, the, the version of himself that we saw a lot at Michigan State? Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. I think it helps not rotating with Rob anymore, knowing he's the guy and that rotation's over with. I think it's helped that um, Auburn's been able to use more pace here in these games, right? They haven't been, you know, playing the LSU offense or the Georgia offense or, you know, some of these teams that they were really concerned about, you know, with their depth on defense, like going up there and running pace against, like Ole Miss, too. Uh, and then I, I do think that um, Freeze has been more involved in, setting up game plans, uh, calling plays. You know, you're seeing more of his offense now, and I think Robbie – I mean, excuse me, I think Peyton is more comfortable in that style of offense, and I think it also helps him when he's in offense where you have to make really quick decisions and he doesn't have to sit in the pocket and 
think a whole lot. I think he kind of, kind of panics sometimes when he does that. But uh, when you just take a, a couple of step drops and, and make a quick decision, I think that's a real benefit to him. So, Brian, uh, everyone's looking forward to that Iron Bowl next week, but will do people realize that this New Mexico State team coming in is 8-3 and three on the year. So talk about yep. what Tiger fans can expect to see in Jordan-Hare this weekend against the uh, this revamped New Mexico State team. Well, if he's healthy, they've got a really talented dual-threat quarterback that can be trouble for any defense, including Auburn. And I think they've won is it, it's five or six games. Uh, I can't remember, but... They are on a winning streak now. I think they're eight and three, um, so they're one of the best teams in the group of five. Uh, so, you know, this is a game that Auburn does need to show up and be competitive in, and you know, come with that same energy they did in the last three games. Um, it's, it's not a team you want to fool around with and let them hang hanging there to the fourth quarter. So, um, but I think Auburn can do that, right? The, the way they're playing right now, the confidence they have. Uh, I just uh, I'd be surprised if, if they don't go out there and put up some pretty good numbers, especially on offense. Brian, talk about how this football team has handled the injuries this year. There hasn't been a lot of, you know, like high-profile guys that have gotten hurt, but the the ones that they they have had injured at times have been a pretty big impact to the team. Talk about how they've handled that throughout this year. Well, and most of them have been on defense, and um, great to have Keontae Scott back. Uh, great to have um, the linebacker. I cannot never remember his name. Um, Austin Keys. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. From uh, yeah, Austin Keys from Ole Miss. Uh, very important to have those two guys back. Jalen McLeod has come back from a high ankle sprain uh, to be SEC Defensive Player of the Week, so he's finally getting back to 100%. And then, you know, the, Javarius Johnson on offense has been banged up for a good portion of the season, so having him healthy certainly helps out a lot too. But I, I would say Auburn has gotten healthy at just the right time. I'm not aware of any injury concerns for this football team going to New Mexico State. And if, if things go well Saturday, they're going to, you know, probably get those backups in as soon as possible and just have everybody raring to go, you know, for the next Saturday in, in, in the Iron Bowl. With Jalen McLeod having the week he did uh, against Arkansas and feeling like he's finally 100%, just with overall really good defensive line play against Arkansas, as they try to make that stick against Alabama, a team with, with a quarterback in Jalen Milrow who makes a lot of big plays, he does take his, his share of sacks, though. Uh, what's your confidence level in the Auburn front being able, I know we're looking ahead a little bit, but what, what's their confidence level uh, of being able to disrupt Milrow and disrupt uh, everything they're trying to do in the backfield? Well, I think my confidence level goes up being in Jordan-Hare Stadium and knowing the type of noise and type of atmosphere that, that the Alabama offense is going to have to try to operate in and how disruptive that's been to that offense in the past. And, um, you know, this Alabama offense runs through Milrow now, right? He is he is the guy, whether he's throwing the ball or using those legs to run. You know, Zuthwick guys can be really tough to contain, but if you're Auburn, it's also good to know that that's the guy you got to get to, you know, and that's the guy um, that the noise can affect the most. So um, I, I do think that Auburn, you know, if, as long as they go out there and, you know, tackle and, and do the, the, the things they need to do, can be really effective defensively against this offense and uh, keep Auburn in the game until the fourth quarter, where's what you want to be when the sun goes down during Hare Stadium, right? Absolutely. And, and who knows, this could be the last uh, 230 Iron Bowl. Uh, for a little while, depending on the the primetime slot for ESPN and ABC. And so 
Uh, we might even get the full version of, of uh, Under the Lights uh, one of these years yeah. in the near future. Talking to Brian Matthews of Auburn Rivals today on Sports Call. Brian, let's talk a little basketball now. Interesting trip ahead for the Tigers as they go up to Brooklyn. Opportunity against Notre Dame tonight and then against either Oklahoma State or St. Bonaventure tomorrow. What do you look to see uh, out of the Tigers as they perform against uh, some, some neutral site opportunities? Well, you know, I thought when they went out to uh, South Dakota and played Baylor, I thought they played really good for, you know, 36 minutes and just kind of fell apart for that little stretch there late in the second half. And um, so you just want to see them perform better down the stretch, you know, against a good quality Notre Dame team, which has some talent for sure. And, uh, you know, has this new staff now with some good young players. So. Um, you just want to see this team go up there and compete and finish uh, like they were able to do it uh, uh, against Baylor. And then, you know, I think it's also a good test playing back-to-back games, whether it's Oklahoma State or St. Bonnie. Both are going to be good teams. Uh, another good test for Auburn playing, you know, twice in a 24-hour span. I think that's a, another nice test for this team that, you know, you might look back um, a few months from now and say that was a benefit to them. Brian, you know, you look at this basketball roster. Uh, if you knew new faces on on the team, but you know, one big name that that made the return was Janai Broom. And uh, in, in the fa- last game, you know, you, you had 18 points from Broom uh, to lead the way for the Tigers in southeastern Louisiana. How big is it going to be when these next two games up in in Brooklyn to, to have him kind of take charge and lead this basketball team for uh, going up there? Well, when he is, you know, hitting a shot from perimeter and doing all the things that he can as an athletic five that makes it really difficult for other teams to defend Auburn all around uh, the circle. You know, it's not just Broom, uh, but I feel like he can open up things for the other players um, with, with his play. So, uh, and I, I think he's an exciting player. Uh, we heard so much, much about the work he put in during the NBA draft process, ultimately decided to return to Auburn, but um, you're seeing signs already how much he's improved, especially as that kind of a stretch five in this system and, I think Pearl is adjusting his system to Broom's ability, and they certainly have the depth now to to run a lot of players out there and be more aggressive defensively and run more and do a lot of things you'd like to see out of a Bruce Pearl type team. So, Brian, we're talking about basketball here. We're only two games in, but the excitement of Aiden Holloway has just been phenomenal to watch, you know, coming in as a high recruit. And uh, in the Baylor game, he was incredible to see. Talk about uh, what Auburn fans can continue to expect to see from uh, Holloway this season. Yeah, and you got to remember the Baylor game, he's probably 75% maybe at best with the ankle. Um, so, yeah, and he's only going to get better as he gets experience. Uh, he, he is a really exciting player. You know, a guy that um, can play point or the two, and you know, I don't think there's anything he can't do on the um, on the floor, right? You know, he's got to uh, continue to get better defensively. He will because he's a really good athlete, but um, he can score, he can shoot, he can dribble, penetrate, he can, uh, you know, find that upper man and get those assists and, uh, you know, make his teammates better. So, yeah, he's, he's a fun guy to watch. And, you know, I don't think Trey Donaldson has had the best two games yet, but um, – I think Trey's going to have a terrific sophomore year. He's just got to get it going. And maybe this this trip to New York will get him going. But uh, I'm excited about him, too, this season. And, and speaking of those two guys, I, I think we have not yet seen them both on the court at the same time. Is that something you think Auburn would explore uh, at some point this year, or is there is it just going to be hard because of the defensive challenges? I mean, it, it just feels like Holloway is a guy you got to have out there a lot, but People still really love the the potential of Donaldson too. 
I think there's a good chance we're going to see that. You know, it's a long season. You know, players are going to get banged up here and there. Players will get in foul trouble. You're going to have to uh, go with different combinations at different times. So, yeah, I do think we're going to see those guys on the court together at the, at the point guard and off guard. And, you know, I really think those guys are interchangeable in that way. Um, you know, as far as who can play the one or the two when they're out there together, I think they both can do it, which, again, may, may be a matchup issue uh, when they're both out there for opposing teams. And then, Brian, I'll give you a, a bonus baseball question here. I know that the fall, right. fall World Series just happened. Uh, is it a, a, a good or a great idea to incentivize steak dinners for the winning team in those scrimmages? Well, they've been doing it for, I think, nine straight years now. Oh, wow. And, okay. Uh, and, and Butch has um, certainly uh, produced some incredible results for Auburn baseball, historically um, impressive results. So, uh, yeah, I think they're going to keep doing it. And, um, you know, it's just a little fun thing to do at the end of a long, you know, four or five weeks of fall workouts and, and uh, fall practice. And uh, they did wrap that up and they had their uh, dinner, I guess it was last night. And, um, I think the reason to be excited about the baseball program. I mean, there's some great changes coming to Pleasant Park this year, next year. And I really think Auburn's pitching staff with Joseph Gonzalez back as that number one guy can be really, really strong this year. The only caveat there is the SAC is, is, is freaking loaded again. I mean, they got great teams up and down. So, yeah, I think it was Ole Miss that finished. I don't remember exactly where they finished two years ago, maybe eighth in the SEC, something like that, and you know, won the World Series. You know, you could see something like that happening again. I think that's how deep this conference is. Yeah, we were also seeing that they signed a good recruiting class, and yet LSU, yep. who was number one, had like 10 more top 100 recruits <laughs> or something silly yep. like that. So uh, the, the SEC continues to be loaded in baseball, that's for sure. We're speaking with Brian Matthews today on this Thursday edition of Sports Call. And Brian, again, busy time of the year, as of course we've been talking about. Uh, so what do you and the crew at Auburn Rivals have lined up here in the coming days? Well, I appreciate that. We'll have full coverage of both of our basketball games and the football game coming up Saturday. And, of course, recruiting has been going well lately. I've got three nice commitments uh, over the past you know, six or seven days. And uh, we'll certainly be keeping an eye on that because things will certainly heat up as we get closer to December 20th in the early signing period. Uh, I think um, you know what you freezing the staff are doing uh, there is just really, really impressive. And uh, that's really going to change the trajectory of this program, I feel like, it. With a couple more recruiting classes, but uh, all that more at AuburnSports.com. You can follow me on X slash Twitter or Threads at BMATAU. He's Brian Matthews again of Auburn Rivals, AuburnSports.com, joining us today. Brian, as always, we certainly appreciate the time. Uh, we wish you well over this holiday uh, season. We hope you have a very happy Thanksgiving, and we look forward to chatting with you again soon. Same to y'all. Thanks for having me. That is Brian Matthews again joining us today on this Thursday edition of Sports Call. We're going to head to our next timeout. Back with more right after this. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. 
I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday afternoon turning into evening. Appreciate Brian Matthews of Auburn Rivals for joining us. Talking a little of everything there, some football, basketball, and even a little baseball at the end. You know I love a, a good steak dinner, so I have to keep bringing that up. But I uh, appreciate Brian uh, again as – lot going on. This is the intersection of a lot of different things in college athletics, and we've had basketball on all throughout the day. And I asked him, I, I keep asking everyone we have on, it's just the question that I, I'm maybe dying to know more than just anyone else out there. I want to see, just for five minutes, I want to see Trey Donaldson and Aiden Hallway at the exact same time. I know that for a team uh, team working on defense right now, it is probably not the best of ideas. They're trying to just trying to figure out their main guys right now and how to defend without fouling. But that's just something that's just been on my mind because you already see two games in that Holloway has it. it will there be an inevitable five of seventeen or something? Yeah. The, will there be a game where he has five or six turnovers? Yeah. But you know that pretty much every night he's going to do something uh, very special. And I, I already see it. But we also know that Bruce Pearl is going to play people. He's going to play 10, 11 guys if he can. Uh, and I still have some thoughts on that overall, too, just as a concept for college basketball teams. But that being said, I'm not ready, even though it's been a little bit of a rougher start, I'm not ready to say Trey Donaldson does not deserve real minutes. And I want to see what he has to offer. So that continues to be uh, a very important question in my mind. As we look at the individuals for Auburn, guys, again, uh, we we previewed a little bit earlier what Notre Dame has to bring to the table and and the kind of game we expect. But individuals for Auburn, who intrigues you early this season? Who do you want to see more from? Thoughts on rotation? Just everything about about the individuals so far this season. Again, uh, it's like I said a little bit earlier, I, uh, and you mentioned it just now, Aiden Holloway, I, I want to continue to see him grow and develop into the college basketball player that he's going to become. Uh, it, it's, it, you know, you, you've seen it uh, so far through two games. You've seen the talent level there, uh, and I'm excited to see – uh, what he can become, what he can uh, continue to grow into. Uh, the other, his counterpart, the point guard position. I think Trey Donaldson continued to build up. Uh, we saw him a little bit last year. Uh, you know, there was there were some shaky times last year, and you saw him really come alive in that NCAA tournament. Uh, those two games uh, for for the Tigers uh, came alive there. So you saw what he can continue to be, and and so I, I want him to continue to develop and continue to grow this year. Um, and then I just want to, you know, he came back for a reason. Uh, it, there's something he's got to work on there. Janai Broom, I, I think that continuing to build and develop his uh, his skill set uh, toward potentially an NBA uh, level player uh, 
would be uh, would continue to uh, is something that I'm really looking forward to this basketball season. Rotation wise, you know, you, you look at this. I think that uh, you know, you you I'd I'd like to see, um, you know, I'd like to see not as uh, it, not as uh, symmetrical is the word I'm looking for for everybody. I, I, you know, you, you've got one, two. On you want to see some imbalance in the minutes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, like, you know, you, you look at the, the the minutes from last uh, from this last game at Southeastern Louisiana. You got one, two, three, four, five guys uh, that hit uh, twenty plus minutes, and not all of them were starters. Uh, in that one, uh, you you had Chad Baker Mazar with 23, and you had Aiden Holloway with 22. Uh, I, I think that I want to continue to see those numbers uh, kind of go in that direction where you you don't have as many guys. And I you know I, ironically I, I had you recycle the uh, the uh, the Baylor uh, sheet a little bit ago, uh, but I think that you know you, you look at that too. You had a, a a lot of different guys get get playing time in that one a little bit more uh, than than that. So you're starting to see that trend a little bit toward. Um, Toward, thank you, sir. You yeah, it's, it out. Re- it's not fully recycled yet. It's still in one piece. There so, you go. So, you yeah. know, you look at it, uh, Dylan Cardwell had about the same minutes. Uh, uh, Cheney Johnson had a, had a few more minutes in that uh, Southeast Louisiana game. Um, you know, Chris Moore's minutes went well down uh, from, from Baylor to Southeast Louisiana. You know, I, I think that I, it, it's just I, I would like to see a little bit more discri- uh, dis- disparity in those in those minutes. And I know that's something that you really don't want to hear, but I want to hear. I want the the guys that are going to be the guys to take over a little bit more and to, to be a little bit more um, a, a little bit more heavy in in those minutes there. And I know it gets tiring, and you you get uh you know you get uh you, you've got to rest some guys but i want to see those guys be a more key factor not have to rely on as many bench guys going down the stretch because once you get into conference play and once you get to that tournament time uh you want your best guys to step up you don't need you know necessarily need the that huge rotation you need your best guys to step up in those moments and if you start getting that here early in non-conference play it makes the transition a little bit easier once you get to the end of the season so i'll give you Three players I've been impressed with and three players I've been unimpressed with. So three players that I've been impressed with is obviously Aiden Holloway. I've been impressed with Chad Baker-Mazzaro. I think he's been great whenever he's been able to be on the floor because I know he dealt with some foul trouble against Baylor, but whenever he's out there, he was electric. And Denver Jones, I've been impressed with those three very much so. The three that I haven't been impressed with, uh, obviously Dre Donaldson, as Brian Matthews alluded to, he, he hasn't had his best games, but you know, we're only two games in. You know, you can have two bad games, so that's okay. Uh, I haven't been really impressed with Jalen Williams. He's been a little flat, but, you know, it's okay. Like I said, only two games in. And this one's going to be a little controversial. I have not been impressed with Janai Broom. I really haven't. I, I, I know maybe that's just reminiscing. I, he did fine against southeastern Louisiana, but you're supposed to do fine against southeastern Louisiana. But against Baylor in those last 10 minutes, it was bad. And maybe that's just me being, you know, spiteful for that. But, I, I mean, it was just <laughs> – I don't mean to sound, like, you know, mean or anything like that, but I just haven't been that impressed. I mean, I will say – I will say about Broom. I don't know where the three-point shot came from, but it's actually pretty good. So, but I overall though, I expected a little bit more because I know he did uh, have a pretty good draft combine. But you know, at the end of the day, that's just drills. But uh, 
like I said, only two games in, plenty of time to you know get back into it, and uh, I think this will be this this tournament up in Brooklyn will be a great chance for Auburn to continue to mesh together and get some victories. Well, look, I, I'll say this: that you know, four of ten from the floor in that Baylor game is is not what you expect out of a big. He was six of ten from the foul line. That's unfortunate. That's who he is. The foul line. He's a career about fifty eight, fifty nine percent foul shooter that's just what he's been we'll see if he can eke it up a little bit but yeah he's not going to turn into an 80 percent foul shooter that's always going to exist but at the college level look i'll say you average 16 and 11 somewhere in there then that's going to put you in the conversation for any league any league's first or second team type of guy so uh look yeah you could have gotten more efficiency there i i think that as brooks hit on the the minutes deal right there because again they are very even and Two games, sample size, rough because you had a lot of foul trouble against Baylor. Southeastern Louisiana is a team that you would like to have pulled away from more. So you did end up playing your guys really the full, if not 40 minutes, about 37, 38 minutes. I mean, you, you had to. You, you never got up huge. But I will say this, and this is where my one thing is, and I know that, you, again, I it's something Bruce Pearls believed in. I've had I've seen coaches that I've cared about do it the complete opposite, and it, that's not my preference either. Either you do have to be careful to not underplay your guys. He's always seen value, or your best guys. You've always seen value in depth because of foul trouble, injuries, and I get that a hundred percent. But especially when these guys are already established, like we know who who Dylan Cardwell is, and that's not going to change if he plays in seven minutes in a game or fifteen minutes in a game. Like that's not going to change. We know who he is, and and so far it's like yeah, if you want to look at it, and it's not a huge issue because they're one and one, and I don't think there's any reason they've won or lost because of or not because of playing time. It's something I'm setting up and thinking about for future games more than anything that's happened so far, but. If you're having Broom play 24 to 25 minutes a game, right now he's at 25, and Cardwell 16, well, is that's because the, they're always playing one or the other. That's basically if you flop four more minutes, you're even. You're dead even there. And is Jani Broom only 10 to 15% better than Dylan Cardwell? No. He's a, he's a good bit better than Dylan Cardwell. Uh, and that's why I'm weary of what could happen with Holloway and Donaldson where Holloway could be awesome, and maybe he is going to be 30, 50, whatever, you know, put a number on it, percentage better of, of Donaldson. But does that mean Donaldson is not better than some other guys on the team and therefore not deserving of some overlapping minutes? And Bruce has always liked to play 10 to 11 guys, and I think when you do that, sometimes your best guys don't play enough. I think your best guys in college basketball should play at least 30 minutes, if not 31, 32 uh, and, and that's not always how it averages out for them and because they are trying to play so many. And I just want to make sure that if it does look like Aiden Hallway is who we think he is and Janai Broom being the level that he is, that they're always getting in important games. Again, it doesn't have to be against Southeastern Louisiana, Alabama, and m I always want to make sure that they're getting – 31, 32 minutes because their impact is still far greater 
from a game-to-game basis than guys like Chris Moore or Dylan Cardwell or Lior Berman. Berman's been that 11th guy so far, only playing a few minutes. I get it. There might be a spot situation there. So, again, it's not that I'm critical of it now. It's two games. But it is something I want to see. I don't want them to just feel like 11 guys is the answer, even in big games, because you do need to find a little bit more from certain guys that elevate their play over the rest of the guys. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, you know, bringing up – how, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Dylan Carwell is a very fun – he's a very fun player to watch. But, you know, at the end of the day, Janai Broom is much better than Dylan Carwell. You know, if you ask a basketball coach who would you rather have out there, Janai Broom or Dylan Carwell, you're going to say Janai Broom just because at the end of the day he brings another level of talent. I mean – Dylan Corwell, you know, he's an energy guy. He's like the energizer bunny. You know, he brings a lot of pep to that off the bench, you know. But, uh, yeah, I think that's a really good point, bringing that up. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, Janai Broom, like I said, I think he's going to continue to do well. Like you said, 16-11, you're going to get some votes for the, uh, you know, some sort of all-conference team or something along those lines. So, yeah, really good point there, Ryan. I will. I, I appreciate it, but if you no, no if problem, you, man. <laughs> if you disagreed, I would. I would accept that too. We we could have some banter there. But I also liked uh, uh, individually. I have liked this year too, Chad Baker Mazar, because he's kind of in that Flanagan role, and just early on again, two game sample size out of out of thirty to thirty five. But it feels like he's going to be a more efficient Alan Flanagan. He's not going to be your number one or two option. There might be times where he's number three, but. It just seems like the jumper's smooth. He's making a lot of free throws. I know that seems like a little thing, but if you're going to get in free throw fest, which we know in college basketball you do from time to time, if you want somebody to take eight or nine free throws, you might want to get a guy like Baker Mazzara to end up being that guy because he seems to really have the stroke down, and I think that he's going to end up being good if he's asked to be that fourth kind of score role. I think that could end up being a really productive role for him. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one 9 tiger 9 If you want to join us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line today, we go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Jeff from Columbus. Jeff is with us. Jeff, how are you today? Doing great, guys. Um, <clears throat> thank you all for taking my call. Let me tell you, there's nobody home at my house except the dog, and it won't listen to me. Let <laughs> My daughter went to Bucky's and bought me a Bucky's Overbite milk oh. chocolate caramel. The best thing I've ever <laughs> eaten in my life. I'm so excited. I had to call y'all. I recommend this. I mean, I don't, I, like I say, I'm a Halloween candy giving out, guys. I wish I could afford to hand these out to everybody. I, there's no telling what she spent on this thing. <laughs> it is the best, the best thing ever. I recommend it. But, hey, while I got you on the phone, maybe we'll talk a little sports. People with basketball, when ESPN takes the college football SEC uh, schedule over next year, you said it when you said 230 might be the last 230 game and stuff like that. Is there any – I mean, surely is ESPN – surely they're going to have 230 games, 7 o'clock games. I mean, are they just going to show them in the southeast, maybe? Or how is there any idea how that's going to work? Yeah, no, we, we don't really have a, a great feel for it yet. I, I think that I would imagine that they would keep the 7 o'clock ABC 
as the primetime slot and then move the top SEC game of the week into that. So I wasn't necessarily saying Auburn be done with two thirty games. No, they'll, they'll play plenty of those throughout the year as, as every SEC team will. I was simply saying that if you have the Iron Bowl be the game of the week there for the SEC to end the season as it traditionally is, uh, that, that new primetime slot may, may end up being 7 o'clock on ABC or something like that. So you could be having far fewer Iron Bowls at 2.30 as opposed to the, the night games. Okay. And like I say, I was just curious. I mean, I'm, I guess the SEC is going to be – the SEC and ESPN, everything, as, as, is that my whole, uh, the same as normal, right? Well, I mean, it, it is this – it is this year because they the uh, the Big Ten's no longer on ESPN. The, in, in years past, the Big Ten was also having a deal with the SEC, and so you'd see some Ohio State stuff late at night or you know at seven o'clock, whatever. Uh, so you meant ESPN, right? Right. When like, you said, okay, yeah, I'm ESPN sorry. or ABC. I said, okay. Yeah, I mean it's it's all Disney there. So yeah, the, the, oh, I. Right. So, but that contract has, has obviously expired. So now the Big Ten is only really on, on the Fox networks and then little NBC and then soon to be CBS. And so ESPN slash ABC has not had the first pick of SEC games because of CBS. They've always had literally everything else. Uh, and so now they'll have that first game. And because they have that first game, they now can have the, the, the game of the yeah. week in the SEC might be at seven o'clock as opposed to 2 30. I completely forgot about ABC. What yes. a big dummy! I'm sorry. No, it's I all mean, good. Dang, it's hard. It's hard to keep up the way. It, gosh, yeah. You think of all independents, but none of them are independent. They're all owned by somebody else. Yeah. Well, yes. I'm sorry for asking a stupid question, but let me tell you, I did inform you on the best piece of candy in the world <laughs> right now. Okay, we're, we're going to so, rush over there. It's near our radio station, so we're going to rush over there right I, now. I, if it costs $15, get you one. Send me the bill if you don't like it, okay? All right. All right. Hey, you all have a great day, and I'll, man, I'll think of something stupid to say tomorrow, too, so we'll probably talk to you then. You well, all have a great day. Appreciate the phone call, Jeff. We can't wait. That's Jeff from Columbus, joining us on the orthopedic clinic phone line down to our last minute or so of the hour. Uh, yeah, no, there's – I I've been to Bucky's now – because we talked about it a lot in the lead up, I've been to Bucky's about four or five times now, and I'm in general more impressed by the desserts than I am anything else. Yes, like they, uh, I've had the uh, the, oh, not the uh, yeah, I think it was a pulled pork sandwich. It was mm-hmm. a, it was some sort of barbecue sandwich, yeah. a brisket. No, it was a brisket sandwich. It was good. Uh, I, I'm not going to phone the local barbecue places and say, hey, you need to try this. Yeah. I, but I, it was fine. Uh, but some of their fudge stuff. I was going to say, I'm yeah. currently working my way through a, a sampler fudge box that they've done. Um, <laughs> brother, <Yeah>. there's, there's, <laughs> there's one that's like basically Snickers fudge. Woo! Ooh. It's got caramel peanuts, chocolate. Woo! I got to get me some now. Boy. Uh, our good friend Austin Scott texting into us uh, literally just went to Bucky's for the pregame meal, got myself a fried chicken sandwich, which was uh, surprisingly impressive. Uh, of course, uh, he's referring to uh, Lee Scott Academy as they've got the, their AISA championship game against Glenwood. That was a really uh, good game earlier this year. So uh, our, our buddy Austin there 
just partake in some Bucky's himself. So on the on the way down to Montgomery, that is going to do it for the first hour of the pro or second hour of the program. Excuse me. This is not 2019 when we had a two hour program. This is a three hour program, and that's how the second hour will end. I need a timeout. I need to go to Bucky's <laughs> and get refreshed. On the other side of this break, we'll have a sports call five at five, presented by Southeastern Land Group. We'll get into a little NFL as we do on each and every Thursday and have a few more Auburn thoughts as they get set to take on Notre Dame tonight in basketball. You're listening to the Thursday edition, a three-hour edition of Sports Call. We'll be right back after this timeout. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday. Still a lot to go over on this Thursday. As uh, Thursday is usually our NFL day on the show, we have not hit that yet, so we will right now. And we'll do that using the Sports Call 5 at 5 presented by Southeastern Land Group. Reminder that John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also an investment in time with your family and friends. And Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. If you're looking to sell your land and get maximum exposure to potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can also help you with that too. Call John Harden at 334 524 Four two seven five six, or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online at sclandgroup.com. Today for the Sports Call 5 at 5, again, we are going to get into the National Football League and we're going to look at five of in no particular order uh, and we'll just run through them ori- originally and then we'll start talking about them. Five of the big matchups in the National Football League coming up this weekend. We start off with number one. And that would naturally be the game that we will lead off with in just a couple moments. The game tonight, the Baltimore Ravens and Cincinnati Bengals. A really solid Thursday night football game with all due respect to the Chicago Bears and Carolina Panthers. Although I know that Austin Scott's a big Carolina Panthers guy. Uh, unfortunately, those two teams not necessarily doing it for everybody this year primetime. So we're going to try an AFC North battle between the Ravens and the Bengals. Uh, and uh, that should be a fun one. We'll talk about it in just a moment. Number two. Also in the AFC North, you might have heard the division's good. The 6-3 and three Pittsburgh Steelers, 6-3 and three Cleveland Browns. That's a new game, noon game on Sunday. Unfortunately for the Browns, Deshaun Watson... 
uh, has played his last football of the season, was able to lead the Browns back uh, in that game. Also, defense helped immensely there with the, with the pick six. But Watson able to make some big plays in the last drive. And that was all she wrote for his season. Uh, shoulder problem. Also had an ankle problem in that game. But it's the shoulder that's going to keep him out. What broken bone in the shoulder, I believe. Uh, and so Deshaun Watson's season is over. They are still favored by a point, though, against the Steelers. That'll be a big one. We'll get to that in just a few moments. Number three. Another big one coming up this weekend. Uh, not as big as some of the others, but at least for playoffs here in the AFC uh, and in the AFC East race a little bit. The Miami Dolphins at 6-3, and three, fresh off the bye week against the 5-5 five and five Las Vegas Raiders. Now, this is actually, again, if you're looking at just records, one of the more even matchups. However... With the betting markets, they say it's one of the most uneven matchups. The Dolphins favored by 13.5 points, which is quite a large number in the NFL. I'm not saying it's not justified, but again, that is one of the bigger numbers that you're going to see. Next up in the Sports Call 5 at 5. Number 4. This one, not necessarily a huge one as the games trail off a little bit until we get to number 5, but uh, the Minnesota Vikings and Denver Broncos, 6-4 and four Vikings, 4-5 four and five Broncos. Again, you start to look at a more muddied AFC playoff picture. If you're the Broncos, you are at home. You get back to 500. You never know uh, what it'll end up taking because I think there's better football teams than the Broncos, but... We'll see how the schedule plays out, and again, what the actual win total is. Seems like Buffalo uh, not playing well. Look, if you're trying, if you're Denver and you go up against Buffalo in a head-to-head tiebreaker at the end of the year, advantage Denver because the win last week. So, if Denver can get another one, that might be worth watching. And then from Minnesota's side of things, uh, the legend of Josh Dobbs grows uh, after another solid performance last week. Vikings started one and four; they are now six and four. So, Minnesota Vikings now looking. Like they can return to the playoffs again, and we'll see if they have anything from the Lions, but at least a wild card spot might be in the near future for the Minnesota Vikings. And last up on the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Number 5 is the game of the week. The Super Bowl rematch. The Philadelphia Eagles, the Kansas City Chiefs. Eagles 8-1. and one. Kind of feels like we've not been overly impressed at times, but I think that's just the nature of the NFL. You end up winning a lot of close games, even if you're a great team, but they are 8-1, and one, best record in the sport. They go to Kansas City 7-2 and two on the season, winning with more defense this year. The, the weapons have not been as there uh, for Kansas City, and Mahomes is still Mahomes. He's had some weaker moments, but still looking really damn good, uh, and – uh, in Kansas City, still 7-2, but winning in different ways this year, not having to score a bunch of points to win. They are favored by 2.5 at home. Uh, and again, that is the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group, five of the top matchups in the National Football League this weekend. All right, guys, as promised, let's start with the game tonight. Uh, it is a game worth talking about, the Baltimore Ravens and Cincinnati Bengals. 7-3 and three Ravens, 5-4 and four Bengals. That Browns win really... Helped us just again kind of condense everything. I know the Bengals losing the Texans hurt a little bit. They would have been six and three, and then we would have three six and three teams and one seven uh, seven and three team. But nevertheless, I mean, this is a division still separated by a game and a half. And again, the the team that's in fourth playing the team that's in first can again further condense that. And playoff picture wise, you look in the AFC, you've just got a ton of teams that are all between four and six wins, that all have between a decent shot and a puncher shot at it. The only teams that are not going to the playoffs that I'll promise you are Tennessee and New England. 
Uh, everybody else is at least in it. I'm not going to, to hitch a wagon to Denver, but again, or Las Vegas, but four and five and five and five, not out yet. So try to clear up some of this playoff picture for me, guys. Does it get any less murky tonight? Does Cincy win to, again, make it a complete party in the AFC? Is Brooks still sad about the Patriots? Yes. I mean, what 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 all goes on tonight? I think uh, I think we could see the Bengals win. I mean, they uh, they lost to the Texans, which a lot of people didn't think they would lose to the Texans as they're really young. But uh, you know, I think the Ravens are pretty good. So, um, you know, I. I was not very impressed with the Ravens last week against the Browns. You know, they had been touting a pretty strong defense, and they, you know, kind of got beat up in that one, per se. And um, I think it'll be a really good matchup. This is probably the best Thursday night game so far this year. Uh, granted, there hasn't been many good ones, but especially last week's uh, uh, toilet bowl that it was. So, <laughs> And you can say that as a Bears fan. I can, absolutely. Or as a football fan. I mean. I, I, no, <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, we won. I can't believe that. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I, I expect Joe Burrow to do good. Um, as always, he's been getting healthier every single week. And uh, big matchup there, big rivalry between these two. So, I mean, Lamar's looked really good this year. But uh, I cannot wait to watch this Thursday night game, which, like I said, very rare thing to say. But, uh, yeah, it should be really entertaining. But I'm leaning towards the Ravens to get it done and uh, put the Bengals back on their uh, back on the fence, for say, at a 5-5 five and five record. Brooks, you're going to be okay, man. It's no, okay. No, he's not. It, 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 Mac Jones is the future, Brooks. Oh no, yeah, that's not going to help. Hey, that maybe Mac Jones, <laughs> Mac Jones might not be the future for much. Maybe longer. it's Bailey Zappi. Uh, Malik, you might again. you might draft Drake May, and if you draft Drake May, I'm in because I love the Tar Heels. Yeah, yeah, and you're going to like Drake May. He is not going to be Trubisky. Drake May will be good in the National Football League. I promise. Heck, look at Sam Howe. Sam Howe's already better than Trubisky. And you, you just gave me flashbacks of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brooks, um, do, do, do you need another minute? Do you want to talk Bengals, Ravens? You want me to move on? This offense for the Bengals, <laughs> I think, has gotten back on track uh, the past few weeks. I know they lost to uh, the Houston Texans last week. Texans are a better team than we thought they were going to be. C.J. Yeah. Stroud is is got to be the front runner for the the rookie of the year. Yes. I mean, there's I, I don't know who else you would put in there. That that's one of the you know I know you know we we've, we've had the discourse in, on the show and about the Heisman uh, who should be the front runner there and. Uh, I think we can all agree that in the NFL, the rookie of the year should is front running right now by C.J. Stroud. I mean, there's, there's you know he's he's put together a lot of a uh, lot of big uh, big performances this year, and I'm sure that there are several teams around the National Football League uh, that are kicking themselves for not being able to uh, to go and get him because he was one of the guys that was uh, you know was was not it wasn't like it, it's not like he was a Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady or somebody that's like oh lower rounds oh man you're kicking yourself for missing out on them well not really because you didn't think he was but everybody was you know he was one of the top quarterbacks coming out of college last year so anyway that that's you like the point. Stroud Stroud's Stroud is good, good. Uh, but the Bengals I think with their their offense I think that they can get, uh, get back on track this week I know you know you're looking at this. Uh, you're looking at this Baltimore uh, team. You're at home. You're very by three and a half points. They're, you're coming off of, of a loss two to Cleveland. 
but I, I think the Bengals. This is a game the Bengals need a little bit more than than the Ravens do. I think that you know they they're still they had the the sluggish start when Burrow wasn't one hundred percent, and and so I think that the, the 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 Cincinnati Bengals need this one a little bit more. They're going to come out. They're going to be they're being ready to play. I think the the trio of Burrow, Mixon, and Jamar Chase are going to have some big nights tonight, uh, and I think the Bengals probably get it done and. and like you mentioned a minute ago, just murky up that AFC playoff picture just a little bit more with that win. Well, and look, let me give you something that's not often talked about because it's not usually needed in the NFL, but when you have a very muddled division like this, and the NFC South could be this way, but for the opposite reason, when you have a close division, you got to start looking at tiebreakers. And beyond the obvious of head-to-head, which is not always present because it's hard to sweep a good team, the divisional record is next. Like your record in your own division then is the next tiebreaker for determining your division winner. And this is an important game for both these teams because they are staring at bad situations for their record. Baltimore has already lost to Pittsburgh. They've already lost last week to Cleveland. They are 2-2 two and two in the division. This division's actually played more divisional games than most divisions. Like the South teams have played two, maybe three. Uh, you've got four games already on the books for Baltimore. So if you lose this game, you're guaranteed you can't go above 500 in your division. That's not going to play out well in a tiebreaker. Meanwhile, Cincinnati is 0-2 in their division. So same thing to them. If they lose this game, they can't be above 500 in the division, and that's not going to play well either, especially because you do have a team in Pittsburgh, which, again, I just think of all the teams, I like Pittsburgh the least in this division. Now, maybe with Watson out and Nick Chubb out, maybe I like Cleveland less now, but I like Pittsburgh in general the least, and they're the ones that are 2-0 in the division. So Pittsburgh is the ones, when we're talking about the Browns game, we can talk about the whole AFC North right now. They're the ones in the best situation here if this ends up being a tie. Uh, because they're already the ones that are looking a pretty good shot at having an above 500 record. Again, it is Baltimore and Cleveland. They are 2-2, two and two, and then Pittsburgh's 2-0, and oh, and Cincinnati's 0-2. Oh so also that makes you nervous if you're Cincinnati because you're the only team in this division without six wins right now. You're 5-4, and four, and you're looking at that because you also that plays into what your conference record is, and that's how you break wild card ties oftentimes is, is your conference record. And guess what? Cincinnati's one and four in the AFC. That's not going to win many tiebreakers. In fact, I'm going to go break the news. It's not going to win any of the tiebreakers if it comes down to it uh, in, in wild card position. So this is actually, to me, a huge game for Cincinnati. I mean, it would be nice for Baltimore. I think that maybe you get an ounce of separation. You know, somebody's going to win that Pittsburgh and Cleveland game. So somebody's still going to kind of be on your heels. But you at least break yourself away from Cincinnati and then the loser of that Pittsburgh and Cleveland game. So there's benefit there, clearly. And again, I just told you the repercussions of being them then two and three in the division. But you could still win your way in the win-loss column to winning this division. But if you're Cincinnati, not only do you feel like it's over in the division because you didn't be three games back and you wouldn't have you'd be up against and having any tiebreakers, you're then one and five in the conference. I mean, they ha- again, they have not lost against NFC teams. They're 4-0 against the NFC teams. Well, guess what? They only got one more left. You only play five. So they got to start winning some against some AFC teams. Uh, so, so this is huge for Cincinnati. They're going to fall behind in every kind of tiebreaker. 
both divisional and conference tiebreakers if they they keep losing these types of games. So this is actually paramount for them, and it's on Baltimore's home field. Short week, uh, I think. It, what what's it? T Higgins. It's doubtful. I gotta go Baltimore tonight. I, I think that I look now. Burrow's very clutch. Cincinnati has been clutch over these last few years. It's not something their franchise has been accustomed to. That's why I know they have been clutch because it's been so different uh, the, these last couple of years. But I, I just I don't see a great situation for them. Pittsburgh, Cleveland, real quick. We'll take a break. Pittsburgh is the again. I think I said it the other week. I'm gonna say it every week. Just repeat, rinse and repeat. They're the worst good team I've ever seen. They have still not outgained anybody. Nine games, nine times outgained. Six and three. For those that believe yards are overrated, there you go. You are a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Kirk Ferentz. Uh, you are Kirk, you're also in college. You are Iowa. Uh, I, I Same color scheme. I don't know how. this. T- I mean, like I do. Watts awesome. Defense really good. But still, as a concept, other teams have great defensive ends. Other teams have good defenses. Uh, I guess pick. It, I guess this is the definition of someone not actively losing you games at the quarterback position. Yes, Kenny Pickett's not going to win you anything, but he is not losing them anything yet. Cleveland's still favored by a point at home. I think they're going to go DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, in this game instead of P.J. Walker. Either one's not a great situation. Guys, to me, it feels like it feels like a Pittsburgh victory. It, maybe they can finally outgain somebody, though, too, because I'm not sure that the opposing quarterback there for Cleveland is going to put up a lot of yards. I don't know, Brooks. You, you, you smell more yards for Cleveland? You go yeah, and Cleveland? I was say, you see, the thing is, is you look on the other side of that ball, it's like, yeah, like the the other offense is not the, the same offense, but that's still the same defense that they've got on the other side for for Cleveland, and, and they're a monster. They're, they're yeah. one of the better best. This, I'll tell you what, this is one of the best constructed defenses that I think we've seen in the National Football League in, in the recent uh, history. Uh, they're they're a, a monsters up front, and it's just they're they're dominating. And that's what you're going to have to do for Cleveland here down the stretch is you're going to have to win uh, because of you know defense keeping you uh, you know getting getting turnovers, uh, suffocating the other teams, uh, and so it. <laughs> If you're telling me if if you if you were saying hey put the over on who who gets more yardage between this this Pittsburgh offense and the Cleveland offense, you know on I I uh, I'm I like your you know I, I'm agreeing with your your logic. I think the the you, you look at Pittsburgh. I think they should be able to, but it's it's the defense. If if it's if it was this Cleveland offense versus anybody else's, uh, if with matched up with anybody else's defense. I, I think I'm taking Pittsburgh to get more yardage finally, but it because of that Cleveland defense, it's just it's it's scary good. They're they're a, a big big machine. I can't you know, it, and it, it, it's a testament to their defense that Cleveland's still favored by a point in this game. True, um, and so. I think that you know this this Pittsburgh team's got a really good shot to come out and get a win here and uh, and and try to get you know get a, take advantage of of a, a Cleveland offense that is is lacking. But it's the it's it's that Cleveland defense that is just always there. They're they're always good, and unless you start getting injuries on that defense, I think Cleveland uh, that that's going to be something that they're going to lean heavy on down the stretch. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's a testament to how good that Cleveland defense has been. It'd be honestly interesting to see how uh, what their record would be like if their defense was just average. You know, they are elite, so they're pretty good. And uh, 
man, Pittsburgh's been a tough watch. I can't stand to watch Kenny Pickett play the game of football, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on that bandwagon for a while now. So, yeah, man, I, I think I'm leaning towards Cleveland, though. I'll go with Cleveland just, just based off turnovers and lots of field goals. I think it'll be like – I think it'll be like, yeah, let's go with like 17 to 14. I think that'll be a good uh, good base there. Well, and one more thing I wanted to bring up about Pittsburgh is they've got this stat, and I, I forget the number of games. It's getting absurd, though, where they have not scored 30 points in a game. Uh, and, in fact, they've only allowed 30 in a game twice, and they allowed 30 on the number. They allowed 30 to San Francisco the very first game. They allowed 30 to Houston the fourth game of the year. No one else in any of their games have scored – 30 points and 30 points is still a solid number i mean it's a good healthy number for an nfl game if you average 30 you're going to be an elite offense in the nfl so i I do want to make that note but regardless pittsburgh is having a kind of a baby iowa influence in the (laughs) nfl where you're taking a lot of the unders you're you're really dangerous if you're going to bet the over uh, on these spreads because Pittsburgh uh, does not – they live in the high teens, low 20s, and they usually hold their opponent into the teens as well. We're going to take our next time out of the show. When we come back, we'll hit on a couple other big NFL games coming up this weekend and give our final thoughts on Auburn and Notre Dame coming up in basketball from the Barclays Center later tonight. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. to call into the show send us your thoughts via email you've got mail sports call at the tiger.fm let's get back to sports call on tiger 95.9 feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9 Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and T.P. Hammock with you here on this Thursday. Appreciate everyone for tuning in, however you might be tuning in, which, of course, includes the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. All right, a couple more NFL games want to talk about, and let's start with the biggest one of them all, the, the Monday night game. This is why uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aitman left for the, uh, for the mothership there. Uh, it's also because they they get paid more money and they don't have to do 12 Cowboys games a year. But <laughs> beside the point, uh, Eagles, Chiefs, I I want to be careful with this could be the the rematch and the and the preview because it usually doesn't work out that way. You just don't see the rematch happening in the Super Bowl back to back years very often. You might see the same team, and that's not been exclusive even to the Patriots. I mean, we've seen uh, some repeat teams make it. But uh, I, I still, no matter how these teams are looking, 
something will happen in the NFL playoffs, and at least one of them will not make it. So I'm going to assume this is not the preview. This is just simply the the uh, rematch version of what we saw last year in a, in a great Super Bowl. This feels to me like it could be a much different type of game, though. That, that game started to get very offensive heavy. I know that Philly's defense, Joe Barrow was talking about this yesterday. I know Philly's defense has been awesome. Kansas City's defense is second in yards per game and scoring defense. And again, I don't think that people really have caught on to that yet. But KC's defense has actually been really good this year. So, and with them at home, like I think there's a good shot at this being a low-scoring game. I feel like the this is going to be the kind of game where Kansas City's defense starts motivated. They give their offense some opportunities. They maybe just quite can't take advantage. Philly hangs around, and then KC just kind of pulls it out of the hat again late. How do you guys see this game being? Well, it's the the meeting between the Swifts and the Kelseys on, oh, on Monday night. Yeah. The the parents are going to meet uh, for the first time, and so it's a it's a big it's a big uh, big ordeal. TP, big what deal. do you got? <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I, you know, you, you look at this game, um, and honestly, you know, if if you've got Taylor Swift in the building, you know Travis is going to have a better game than, than normal. Uh, but uh, it it's I, I I think you know you, you look at this this game. Um, Kansas City's offense, I, I think, is going to come out and is going to look good. Uh, Philadelphia's offense, I think, is going to come out and look good. I think this could be a game that you see a lot of points put up. So you'll go opposite. You, yeah. you'll go more like the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think that the, it, this is, it's going to be that you're going to have some points put up there. Um, and I'll tell you what, I, I know Kansas City is favored by two and a half uh, in this one. Because of and you know I, I know I've I've gone with the the Taylor Swift bit here, but I think that because you know you had the bye week last week and you had uh you you've had all this attention around Kansas City specifically around Travis Kelsey going to Argentina to the Taylor Swift show down there, and uh and and all this attention around around them this week, you haven't really heard anything about what the Eagles did on the bye week, did you? You you don't know what Jalen Hurts did on the bye week. You don't know what uh what uh DeAndre Swift did on the bye week, do you? It, it's it Pat, Patrick Mahomes was at a Texas Tech football game, uh and Travis Kelsey was at a Taylor Swift concert. I think the Eagles are going to come out here and win this football game. I, I think they get it done on the road. Okay. Uh, I think that Jalen Hurts in this offense comes out. Uh, I think AJ Brown. He started. AJ Brown had a slow start to the year. He started to really pick it up these last few weeks. I should know he's on my fantasy team, um, but I, I think that he, th- those guys, are, are going to come out really, really. Uh, you're you're going to you're going to have a lot of uh, upset Swifties on TikTok and and Twitter complaining why why Kansas City ha- didn't win this football game. I, I agree. Although I am disgusted with your analysis that Kelsey will have a better game just because Taylor Swift's in the look building. Look at the stats. Look at the stats. I, he I does. refuse to look he, at your factual he, information. He, he does. It's the, the, they put the stat up a few weeks ago. It was Travis Kelsey when Taylor Swift is not there and, quote, when he's left to his own devices. When Taylor Swift <laughs> is there, when he's left to his own devices. The, what is he, nine? The, the stats go up when Taylor Swift is in the building. Well, besides that, I'm going I'm going with the Eagles here as well. I'm going with about 23 to 17. You know, 
I think I think it's going to boil down to something really important that not a lot of people are talking about. Yes, the Chiefs' defense has been great. Spagnola has been in the league forever. He is a really good defensive coordinator. They are a fantastic group to watch. I think it boils down to the receiving core. Now, I, Kelsey will get his numbers, and I, he will do fine. But I think it's going to boil down to can you get one-on-one separation on the outside with those, uh, let's be real here, below-average receivers like Kadarius Toney and uh, – the guy's last name is Rice. I'm blanking on his first name, but he, he's a young guy, you know, and uh, Sky Moore. So it's going to boil down to that. So I think it's really going to be something to see. But, uh, you know, I'm leaning towards the Eagles. You know, Patrick Mahomes was uh, at Texas Tech game, had his hat backwards, you know. Don't like to see that, do we, Ryan? But <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. But, uh, no, I think, I think he'll be fine. But at the end of the day, I think it really does boil down to – a below average receiving core outside Travis Kelsey and a pretty pretty competent really good cornerback room that the Eagles have so I think I will lean with the Eagles here all right so uh, yeah again uh, Kansas City and Philly both had their close calls this year still record wise though I mean they've come out the way they've needed to uh, not a whole lot of pressure on really either uh, party in in these divisions um when you factor in Los Angeles, Las Vegas, and um, and uh, Denver in the AFC West, not really putting pressure on Kansas City, Dallas, you know, f- good team, but I think they're now six and three, so a couple losses behind. Already lost the first head-to-head there, so not a whole lot of divisional pressure for these teams. This could be a standalone game uh, and, and be be a really awesome game anything else that you guys are following in the nfl this weekend any storyline or any particular game that interests you before we move on i think i'm really interested now this is going to sound dumb but the cowboys are playing the panthers there's two reasons why i'm interested frank reich is calling plays again so we'll get to see how much different it really is even though ryan and i have our doubts about that and um i, I want to see how the cowboys do on the road they're two and three and if they struggle against the panthers I mean, that, that's not a good thing. I mean, I could see the Cowboys. They are a 10-and-a-half-point favorite. You don't see that every day in the NFL. I could see them blowing out the Panthers. But, hey, who knows? Maybe Frank Reich, you know what? Maybe he'll be able to hone in that really bad offense. I don't even think it's Bryce Young's fault. Their offensive line is just really bad. Like, they're like what the Bears were whenever Fields first got there. I mean, they are a horrible offensive line. So, I'm not going to blame Bryce Young for that. But I'm interested to see how the Cowboys will do against the Panthers, even though – I think the Panthers have been getting better, but last week it, it looked like it was like, oh, well, you were kind of improving, but now you kind of fell back down to your competition's level, i.e. the Bears. So um, I think that'll be a really interesting one. So that's the one that I'm going to keep track with. I could see, like I said, I could see the Cowboys just throwing them through a brick wall, or I could just see you know it being a little bit closer than people expected. I'm going to throw a game out there, and everybody's going to react in a certain way. Uh, but I have one one reason why, why it's I'm Commander in it. Giants, isn't it? No, okay. It's Bears Lions. Oh no! And the only <laughs> <laughs> see the only reason here's the here's my here's the reason. Uh, you've you've got a uh, a name that is being circulated currently for a head coaching job in the college ranks, and he is a head coach at one of those programs, one of those one of those franchises. I want to see. And I don't think it. And listen, in my in my head, my my logical mind says it's not going to affect the Lions that much. 
but does it that that's my new the question is does the the fact that Dan Campbell's name being floated out there for that Texas A&M job affect the Lions uh, against a team that they should handle uh, they should handle fairly easily they're a seven and a half point favorite over the the Bears can they can, you know we, we always talk about the noise around college football programs when their coach is being rumored for another job, i.e. Ole Miss last year when Lane Kiffin was flirting hard with the Auburn job and the, you, know, you saw them go on a real skit at the end of the year. Does it affect a pro team the same way? Because there's not often that you get these, these rumors about a, a current NFL head coach going back to college football and leaving a program or go, really taking another job in the NFL. You don't really, that, that doesn't happen. And so I want to see that. That is the only reason that I'm interested in that game is to see if the, the Lions can shut out that outside noise and get the job done against the team they should beat. Yeah, I, I, I'm hoping that that, you know, that that won't start to seep into that locker room because I, I, I could get into – and I will for just a second. <laughs> yeah, I can't help I could, myself. and I will. <laughs> I just think that Campbell, I know he went to A&M, I, would just be dumb, would just be absolutely dumb to go back and do it in college. I really think that most coaches should look at it as NFL is, is the best. A, it, it is the NFL. It is the higher form of football. And with what you're asked to do recruiting – and NIL-wise, and keeping 80 people happy at all times, I wouldn't want that. I, I genuinely would not want that, uh, especially once I've now finally made it in the NFL and have a good team and really well-liked in Detroit. And I know it's so year-to-year. I know job security could wane in one single bad year for Detroit next year. But I, I just think that you got the NFL job. You don't go back to college. You, you just don't, uh, not not unless you're forced to and you, and you lose the job. So I, I think that, that he should for all the world stay, um, and, and hopefully they, they those rumors won't get too serious. I know Bruce Feldman is the one that brought that up today, and that's why we're mentioning it. But but uh, if I'm Campbell, I, I don't care if I went to Timbuktu, Texas A&M. <laughs> it, it, don't, it don't matter. Uh, it don't matter how much money they, they offer. Uh, stay in the NFL. Don't don't deal with the the mess that is college athletics from time to time. Uh, when you got that NFL job, I think for me the the one thing I'm looking at. This is going to sound weird. We're all picking weird yeah, stuff. You're, you're what, going with Washington, New York, aren't you? <laughs> I love Sam Howell. Love him to death, but no. But do you love Tommy DeVito? I certainly do not. <laughs> certainly do not. I'm going with Texans Cardinals. Because the Texans have a real chance to make the playoffs. And if you would have told me that before the season, I would have said, did they just reacquire Deshaun Watson and like all the players they've lost the last four years <laughs> since Deshaun Watson? Because this Texans team did not have a roster ready to do this, regardless of how well Stroud is playing. Like Stroud, and maybe it's coaching too, by the way. But if you just let me, let me run this by you. The Texans are going to end up better than the Chargers, with the because seriously, the Chargers are the team that's two years or three years ahead on this. Herbert was the young guy's like man, he's already this good. Wow, good news for the Chargers. They spent all the money in free agency two off season, or one off season ago. They they get to the playoffs, and obviously there's the Staley stuff. But now they're four and five this year, and they're having to play better just to get to that point. And yet the Texans 
who now have the rookie quarterback and surprisingly good receivers and are looking way ahead of schedule. They're already going to pass a team like the Chargers up in this race. And I know it can be so year to year because of free agency and draft and all that, but in this race to figure out who can be constant competition for uh, for excuse me Kansas City and who's going to be that constant team, look, Cincinnati last in the division right now. Buffalo outside looking in the playoffs 10, 10 games in. You're now in peril. Like who's is there or is there going to be a constant challenger? Can, can you have a can you have a situation where uh, you have someone for five to seven to eight years reliably be next in line to Kansas City? Or are we going to start rotating every year? And if Houston's going to start getting in on this, that's just one more team that's going to be really difficult to deal with. So uh, it's not really Arizona, although I could say yay, yay Kyler Murray's back. He, he won his first game last weekend. That's great, but. It's really about Houston trying to be a legitimate playoff threat here at 5-4 and four and trying to take advantage of, again, teams like Cincinnati and Buffalo that are having down seasons. We're going to take our final timeout of the show. When we come back, final thoughts on Auburn and Notre Dame coming up tonight. The game before them, Oklahoma State and St. Bonaventure from the Barkley Center has tipped. Again, Auburn will play one of those two teams tomorrow, but first up again, Auburn-Notre Dame tonight. So we'll talk to you a few more thoughts about that right after this, and we'll wrap up the show on this Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. The Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, Brooks Childress with you here. Final five or six minutes of the program today. As uh, it feels like we've talked just about everything uh, this afternoon. I also know, too, in a matter of moments, they're going to be announcing the National League Most Valuable Player, so hoping to see that uh, become Ronald Acuna in a mere moments. Uh, and, uh, and, yeah, so I, I think that – uh, I mean, from everything from football to basketball, uh, really never got into the, the Michigan stuff, which was Harbaugh did accept, and Michigan did accept the three-game suspension today. And uh, as a result, Big Ten promised to close the investigation. So uh, nothing further from the Big Ten's end. So I guess that's a win for Michigan. Uh, although, I mean, I don't know. It depends how bad you want Harbaugh on the sidelines for the biggest game of the year against Ohio State. So... Uh, again, they both concession there, but that news did drop today. Uh, but, guys, in our last few minutes, again, Auburn-Notre Dame coming up uh, from the Barkley Center in Brooklyn. Uh, the Oklahoma State-St. Bonaventure game underway with Oklahoma State out to a nice start. That line was, I think, 3.5 or 4.5 in favor of Oklahoma State, so still expecting a semi-close game in that one. But, again, not really expecting, if you're listening to Vegas, an overly close game between Auburn-Notre Dame. What's your feel on the type of game this is going to be? 
Uh, you know, I, I think that Auburn, you, you look at how they, they've played so far this year, and I think that that game against Baylor is, uh, you know, we, we talk about the, those types of games mattering when it comes to March. I think it matters when it comes to this game, too, because you've already got uh, that type of game under your belt. You, you know how to play it. You were very, very close to beating a very good Baylor team. Uh, and so it. I, I think that's going to help Auburn here. Um I think that the Tigers are, are going to come out, and I, I think they'll be, you know, they're they're going to be aggressive. They're going to try to to score the basketball very very quickly. I think the key for Auburn is to, uh, you know, we talked about Burton and Booth, their two young guys. I think the bigger threat for the this Tigers team is going to be stopping uh, Marcus Burton. Uh, I think going out there, shutting him down, not letting him uh, get you know get started going. He's averaging what twenty three points per game right now for for Notre Dame. If you can shut him down early and you can keep him kind of his effect on this game at a, at a minimum. I think you've got a really good shot at winning uh, this basketball game, advancing to that championship game tomorrow in the Legends Classic against uh, one of these two teams, Oklahoma State or St. Bonaventure. Uh, but, yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I think that that 14-and-a-half is, is, is a good line. I think Auburn scores around low to mid-80s. Uh, for for tonight's game, uh, and so uh, you know that that would put uh, you know that would put the Notre Dame in what the high sixties uh, for the for the end of this one. So I think that it's uh, I think that's a good good score there uh, for for these two teams. But uh, Auburn, I think clearly more talent on their roster. I think they're the better program. They should come out and they need to to show that they're the better team here against a, a, a Notre Dame team that is, you know, Bruce Pearl's talked about, they're probably going to have a, a little bit of a, a home court advantage because it's just the, the Notre Dame fan base around that New York area. So I, I think this game can go two ways. I think Auburn might get out to a slow start, make it closer. It'll be close until about five minutes left into and in, deep into the game. I think there could also be a second way. The second uh, thing that might happen, I think if Auburn gets out early to a big lead and, you know, throws a, a haymaker, throws an early knock, uh, throws an early punch, uh, theoretically, uh, I think they could uh, I think they could crush Notre Dame. I really do. I don't think this Notre Dame team is that great. I think, um, I think if Auburn wants to go for the kill early, I think they can. Um, but I, I think it'll be more towards number one. I think they'll probably come out a little slow, you know, you, big bright eyes. You're playing in the Nets arena. I mean, that's really cool. But at the end of the day, you got to take care of your business. The Notre Dame fans will be there. They travel well for all their sports. So I think uh, Notre Dame will uh, do well with uh, more of a home home court advantage. I think Auburn will uh, take over late and get the victory. Uh, you know, I think that, look, this is depending on your point of view, either will shape up to be very good thing for Auburn or more of a nothing burger than you wanted because these teams, their history suggests they will have shots at NCAA tournament. Their programs right now suggest that they are not uh, close to the NCAA tournament, particularly Notre Dame with the way they've been playing. Uh, and then really St. Bonaventure and Oklahoma State. Really all these teams don't really figure into having a great shot at the NCAA tournament this year. They maybe make the NIT or something, but – not looking like the best versions of these programs. So that's to say is that ultimately you do put on a resume if Auburn's able to win tonight, win tomorrow, uh, a midseason tournament onto the resume. However, if you're talking about the dreaded quad one, quad two, quad three discussion that we always have to get into, really none of this is going to end up being quad one competition for Auburn, even on a neutral floor. I, I don't think any of this will be quad one. I think these will all be quad two games. So Auburn needs to win them. 
uh, get the win first and foremost, and then worry about how it looks and, and how much of a margin you can run up. I'd like Auburn to win by double digits. I will not be distraught if they win by six or seven. If they have to win on the last second play, yeah, I, I don't think that's a good sign. But as long as they win by not having to scratch and claw for every second, I, I think you'll be able to live with it tonight. But, yes, I, I think if Auburn truly wants to come out of tonight saying that was awesome, that looked really good, they need to win by 15, 15 to 20 points. And, and so, again, that's not necessarily my expectation. I think they're going to win about an 8 to 10-point game. That's why I've set the figurative line before I knew it was 14.5 yesterday. That's why I set it at 8 or 9 points. I think if they win by 8 to, eight to 10, I'll be okay with it for where this defense is right now. Uh, but, again, first order of business, take care of it, win it. And then we'll see exactly how it grades out in terms of point totals and that sort of thing. Final few seconds of the sh- uh, show. Time for a quick nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, what do we have? Two movie picks for you this evening. Your Marvel superhero movie pick of the evening. Spider-Man 2 at 635 on FXM. Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, of course, uh, is the, the one we're looking at here. But Spider-Man 2, 635 FXM. And your family movie pick for the evening is also kind of a superhero one. And The Incredibles 2 at 720 on Freeform. Uh, sports picks for you this evening. we got a plethora of them, so let's get through them. College football on tonight, 6 o'clock on ESPN. It's Boston College taking on Pittsburgh. A little ACC action. Pittsburgh's been down this year. Boston College has made a bowl game uh, this year. They're six wins. They're going to try to continue to climb up that ladder there. Uh, you've got women's college basketball on tonight. Kansas State visits number two Iowa at seventh round FS1. Uh, some soccer action for you. CONCACAF Nations League, U.S. Men's National Team takes on Trinidad and Tobago, a big one in the quarterfinals of that one. And then some men's college basketball on tonight, 8 o'clock ESPN2. Uh, Auburn takes on Notre Dame, also 8 o'clock on ESPNU. Utah, Wake Forest. And then 9.30 at night, cap off your evening with some top-ranked boxing, uh, some lightweight division uh, action on ESPN. And that is your Nightly TV Guide brought to you by friends of White Claw Hard Seltzer. Well, that was a top-ranked TV Guide, Brooks. And <laughs> uh, certainly appreciate you for being on the show today. We'll see you again tomorrow. See you then. TP Hammock, thank you for being on the show today. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving. I know we'll see you. We'll do some uh, stuff on Monday with uh, some recording and that sort of thing, and we'll have more announcement on that tomorrow. But uh, appreciate you for being here today, sir, and hope you have a great weekend. Thank you, as always. And that will do it for the show today. We want to thank Brian Matthews of Auburn Rivals for joining the show earlier. And as always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Brooks Childress and T.P. Hammock, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Thursday night. Enjoy some Auburn basketball, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.